Hello, race fans. Welcome to another edition of the EKN Debrief here on the EKN Radio Network, episode number 31, August the 15th, 2008. My name's Rob Howden, joined as always by David Cole. Uh, we are ready to debrief the Supercarts USA Pro Tour Summer Nationals, held, of course, at Newcastle Motorsports Park last week in Newcastle, Indiana. Fantastic racetrack. And the finale of the Supercarts USA Pro Tour for 2018. The ninth running of the Summer Nationals. Tremendous race. And this is going to be a, a pretty serious debrief. We've got lots to talk about. Going to be a little maybe a little longer than we normally do, but we're looking forward to getting into it, kind of diving into the, the meat of what happened this past weekend. This week's show presented by K1 Race Gear. Since 2003, K1 Race Gear has been a one-stop shop for all of your indoor and outdoor karting needs. From racing shoes, suits, and driving gloves to chest protectors, rib vests, accessories, and bags, K1 Race Gear provides quality karting products for the enthusiast and professional alike. Visit k1racegear.com today and get everything you need for your next racing outing. All right, David Cole, let's bring you on in here, my friend. Uh, in the rearview mirror for you and I, the Scusa Pro Tour Summer Nationals from Newcastle. Uh, all in all, pretty pretty damn good weekend. Uh, decent weather, high humidity. Uh, but the rain that could have came in on, on Saturday stayed away. Nothing on Sunday either. Uh, all in all, for the final race of the, this year's Pro Tour with numbers, you know, well over, I think I think they ended up right around 240 or something like that, uh, a little over 240. What a weekend. Pretty solid. Yeah, luckily uh, we didn't have the last two times we've been at Newcastle. I haven't had any weather issues, so that's been great. Uh, typically, we, we normally have... You know, I, I still have another trip to go, so I should knock on, on wood real quick uh, just to right. make sure we don't have. Normally, we have some weather issues, and luckily, we haven't had that. Um, you know, again, overall, a, a good weekend, a long weekend. Uh, we both rolled in there on Thursday. Uh, we had long days at the racetrack. You know, obviously, good day at, you know, any day at the racetrack is a good day, but uh, it is, it makes, you know, kind of like this podcast, it was a, it was a long Saturday, Sunday, just because of the way the schedule is with the numbers that they had and everything. But, um, you know, overall a really good weekend. Yeah. The extended days, you know, we, we had seen the initial schedule was going to be a, a significantly shorter day. We probably would have been done by five o'clock every day, but when you get 70, what was it? 73 drivers, uh, you know, registered, pre-registered to run, in the X30 uh, senior class, you get 57 drivers in X30 junior. At that point, you know for sure uh, that they've got to make, it, make an adjustment. You know, Dave, last year they ran 57 in X30 senior in the class uh, by itself. You obviously couldn't do that with 70-something. And I think 57 in juniors may be a little sketchy as well. So I thought it was a good idea for them to move to the split pre-finals. It gave us the excitement of the last chance qualifiers as well, which for me was, was some of the best parts of the weekend, being able to call that bubble spot in the pre-finals to go straight through. And then of course the last chance qualifiers. As yeah, well. that was one, you know, I had a couple comments uh, as we were around there uh, that, you know, it would have been better if they would, when they opened it up, say, Hey, if we're going to open it up to as many as possible and we might have LCQs, I think people were kind of disappointed. Obviously those that were kind of on that edge of being in or not, uh, you know, they were kind of disappointed because it added pressure to them. You know, it added pressure to the driver, not only the driver, but the team to get this guy into the big show. Uh, and, you know, we're not used to that. We've never had that at uh, the Summer Nationals or any Pro Tour event outside the Super Nationals. So um, I think, yep. you know, for, for me personally, I think that's something that they need to establish right away and say, hey, look, we're going to start opening these events to this many 
this many entries, we're going to have LCQ. So that way people are aware of it. Uh, but personally, me, you know, we and we've talked about this before with a lot of the programs, we could just get back to going to one final, you know, that way people get p- plenty of track time with the qualifying and the heat races. And, and then we, we, you know, we kind of shorten up the fields a little bit. So it helps uh, deviate from a lot of the, the bad, bad driving that we typically see uh, with the bigger fields. Uh, but again, that's, a no, that's for another podcast. <laughs> that's good. My mind's like, okay, when, when do we, when do we schedule that podcast to get a round table together to talk about, do we go double race weekends or do we move to the, to the single race weekend where we're, you know, we're, we're setting all up all weekend long for those Sunday main events. In the end, when you looked at it, uh, great numbers, as we said, an X30 junior, X30 senior, X30 masters as well. But those drivers that didn't transfer through, didn't make it through to the last chance qualifier, in the end, they missed out on, on really, uh, in senior, you missed out on 15 laps. If you're in junior, you missed out on eight laps because you ran a, you ran a 10 lap last chance qualifier. The mains were 18 laps for juniors. So if you didn't make the main, in the end, you lost eight laps. Is what, yeah. is what you lost overall in the day. Yeah. Right? That's, I mean, you that's can look at it. Comes down yeah. To. You can look at it at laps, but you can also look at, Hey, yeah. I didn't make the main, but then again, you know, you know, some people were automatically like the assuming they were going to be racing in the main before yeah. they got there. Then you get there and they say, Oh, we're going to do LCQs because really we didn't know until Thursday, uh, to Not be honest. Right. So, um, and so they, so Dave, they just, that's what they say, right? Hey guys, next year for the pro tour, we're, we don't want to be, we want to be in, inclusive, not exclusive. We're going to allow as many people to enter as possible. And, and we, just so you know, there may be LCQ, LCQs and you're right. Some people may say, you know what? I'm not going to risk that. I want to make sure I have full track time. I want to run a full main. Personally, I think it's an awesome challenge. I would love to race at any event that I could or could not make the main event. I think that's fantastic. That's, you know, you got exactly. Yeah, I love it. You know, <laughs> James Hinchcliffe didn't make the Indianapolis 500 this year because of bump day. It's, I love having that. Hey, you know what? You've got to get out there and get the job done because that was Dave. Because really, it was a challenge for these drivers to make it happen. A lot of and a lot of them, I think, probably learned how to approach a last chance qualifier and not. And the same thing goes with the pre-final. We saw guys running twelfth, thirteenth in the pre-final all by themselves, big gap, and getting together, wrecking each other. And last lap of the pre-final, they were already into the main. Right? It's I. It's I completely. I I completely agree with you, Rob. Because it, yeah, it does teach you. Uh, better racecraft. It really yeah. does. It teaches you how to think prior to your race before you just go out there and just wail into everybody. You know, it just it 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 does. It teaches you a little bit of discipline. Uh, it teaches you how to be more competitive. I mean, in all honesty, we gotta we gotta stop babying people if we're racing at this this level of the sport. You gotta stop babying people. You, you didn't you, you weren't fast enough. You don't make it. Done. Yeah, exactly. Well, and here's the thing too, Dave. We talk about racecraft. This has been something that we've been doing all summer long with our with our Art of the Racecraft series, right? We're talking about racecraft and what are the issues that that, that these young drivers, although any even the older guys, that are are, are driving like idiots and, and wrecking each other. What they're not doing, there's no ramifications, right? They're just back the next day and racing the next day, right? They, are they? We talked about it. they wreck a go kart, they pull a new one down, and, and and away they go. Here's the ramifications of hey, I drove like an idiot in the pre final. Oh, I guess what? I'm not coming from the tail of the tail of the main event. I'm not even in the main event because I didn't. Or, or you reckon the last chance qualifier? There was actual ramifications for your actions. If you drove like an idiot and wrecked, you were in the race. And I think I, and I, I said, that's the one thing I like about it. I think it's I think it's a cool deal. Now let's let's jump in real quick uh, in this first segment again. EKN debrief episode number thirty one. David Cole and I uh, breaking down this past weekend's Scusa Summer Nationals final round of the Pro Tour. 
David, numbers strong, as I said. Um, really good X30 junior, senior. Awesome to have a, a good field of Masters drivers over 20. I love to see that. 30, just over 30 in Mini Swift, which threw another 1000 bucks uh, into the purse for them. On the other side, shifter numbers weak overall. The S4 Master and Supermaster, uh, it looks to be all but done nationally. I know that you and I discussed that. It's it, There's a lot of guys out there that would be bitching if they dropped the Masters class. But there was four. There's five guys in Masters, and what eight? I think in Supermaster, something like that. Like, what do you do? Like, it's just guys. You, if there's no demand for it, you don't have it. So maybe, maybe it's gone next year. I don't know. We'll see. S um, one combined S one S two was almost thirty drivers. So if you flip it over to like a you know more of a combined all skate category next year, where it's not S one S two, it's just shifter senior shifter. If you can draw 30, that, that's pretty damn good, I think, still. Well, again, these shifter numbers are all because of the unquestionable or uncertainty of what engine packages are going to be for what next year. It really it really boils down to that, Rob. Uh, you know, again, yeah. I, as I talked with a lot of people on the weekend, I said, because they, they, they did, we'll talk about it in the paddock pass, they did some test drives in the, in the SSE engine. Um, if they would have set out a plan like they did with the transition from the Leopard to the X30, I don't think we'd be in this situation because I think we people would know and they'd be wanting to come to these races where they don't they don't want to put down two to three thousand dollars or even more on an engine program that's going to be obsolete the next year, or at least they can budget I think, better I think a lot, they, knowing when it's going to come yeah, and when I, it's going to go. I wouldn't be surprised if a lot of guys who were former national competitors have sold their sold their stock Hondas, right? They're probably they're probably they found their way to some road racers, they found them, their way to some club guys or whatever it may be, and regional racers, and they, maybe they're just not out there. So you're right. The uncertainty in the in the Supercarts USA gearbox platform for 2019 and beyond that's definitely playing playing a role, no doubt about it. Now, Dave, let's look let's look at the entries here in, the, in this first segment of the the debrief. Uh, I think you have, you have down a total of 245 entries. Awesome. Like great numbers. Uh, obviously we had to do the split pre-finals and the split qualifying for X30 junior and senior LCQs. All in all though, if you look at some of the transitions of the numbers, micro Swift started the season was 13, 14 at the spring Nats, 19 here, uh, mini 33, 29, 31 for the three races. Pretty consistent. X30 junior 50, 43, 57. They had a little, little bit of a drop, but maybe that was because of Phoenix, obviously changing the venue. Senior, 44, 40, and then 76. I don't, I'm not, did you talk to anybody? Some of the people that didn't come to the first couple of races, was there, did you get a sense for why we had so much interest in this particular weekend? Well, as you said, I mean, the numbers were what, 57 around there. I think almost, yeah, it might've been 57 last last year year for Newcastle. So you're looking at what, 18 more? So it's really not a lot more new people. I mean, again, you got guys that moved from junior to senior this year. So that helps with the numbers there. Uh, and then you got some guys coming back, like a Philip R. Scott coming back and a couple, you know, just other local racers who who decided to come race. And that's one thing you don't get at NOLA and you don't get at Phoenix. You don't yeah. get local racers aside from local X30 drivers. Yeah. Correct. Aside from yeah. your Jim McKinney or somebody like that. But, um, you know, Newcastle has, you know, not Newcastle, but the Midwest and even the East coast has a lot of X30 racers. So that's, um, 
you know, this is their, this for a lot of them, it could be their super nets or it could be a tune up for the super nets. You know, they, they could use this as a judging tool. Okay. If, if I do well here, maybe I have the opportunity to do well in Vegas. So, uh, you know, essentially this was a mini Vegas for, for that category because of the way the format was and how big the numbers were. Cause there's, there's no doubt about it. It's going to be sold out for, for Vegas when we go there in November. Yeah, yeah. Another one that will sell out, uh, probably, it's probably already sold out for all we know. At least the first group is X30 Master. That's always kind of the first one to sell out at the Supernats. So uh, many uh, uh, international no, drivers. No. What? X30 Master what? is actually typically the first one to sell out. That's what I said. That's what, that's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about X30 Master. Okay, sorry. sorry. That's what I meant. That's what I meant. No, yeah. Master is always the one 48 hours, right? 24 yeah. hours sold yeah. out. But they opened it up last year, didn't they? We op- they opened up Masters last year, and I think they, they capped S2 last year, which was a great idea. The Masters guys uh, always come out to play. 23 at the opening round of Winter Nationals, 17 in Phoenix, back to 23 again, David. I'd like to see the consistency out of X30 Master. I'd, I'd like to see it get back up to that 30-35. And I think there's lots of guys out there that are running. The cool factor is, for the most part, probably one of the, the best races of the weekend has been X30 Master. The guys the guys in that class, for the most part, race really clean. They all know that they have to go back to work on Monday morning. Um, and it's just fun to watch. It's good racing all around in X30 Master. Yeah, we, we'll get into it a little bit more later about uh, <laughs> what we yeah. the nickname we come, called them. But uh, yeah, for the most part, when when the, the, the checkered flag is on the line, it's, it's fairly clean. Uh, some of the guys are a little more uh, aggressive than others, but you're going to have that. But again, like you said, guys... <laughs> Guys are flying home to to work on Monday instead of you know going to school like like some of these senior drivers are. So um, yeah, it's and it's very competitive because I, the the gap between the 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 top ten is so close that it's just getting more and more and more competitive as as this category keeps growing. Uh, S4 Master and Super Master, really a slow decline throughout the year. Uh, Ten at these to start the year in, in Masters at Winter Nats, down to six in Phoenix, down to five here. Super Master was 11 at the high point. NOLA, down to 10 in Phoenix, eight at Newcastle. Again, you, those are numbers you don't want to see. And if you're the excuse of brass, you're sitting down, you're saying, what do we do? we got to get our, our shifter cart program figured out. Uh, senior, uh, rather the S1, S2s, though, as you said, David, 10 in S1, 16 in S2, 26 total. You throw them all together in one big race like they're going to do at the Supernats. And I think uh, it just it, the way things are, the S1, S2 experiment, not so much experiment. It's kind of the way the whole thing started for the last nine years. It's kind of getting back to where we may find ourselves where we were with the uh, uh, with the Stars of Karting days when ICC was just one big group. You know, they had 40-something guys in the race. And, and you know, the S2 was designed for kids to come in out of, S4, out of S5, rather, or in the early days out of ADCC Junior or Senior, get a feel for – the shifter cart class, get a chance to win some races potentially in a championship, then go battle against the, the best guys. Well, if that's not going to roll, might as well just jump in, throw them all in one, uh, in one pond and, and let them battle. It's a good challenge for these drivers to step things up. All right, let's, let's cap it off, Dave. Let's, uh, let's wrap up the overview. After this break, we'll come back. We'll jump into the paddock pass. As you mentioned, uh, lots to talk about the stuff that's been going on. We're going to talk about penalties. We're going to talk about, uh, uh, the IME shifter we talked about. We're going to talk a little bit about 2019. Of course, all that, uh, all that after this break. In a sport where the difference between winning and losing is measured in hundreds of a second, you can't afford to leave anything on the table. You invest in the best equipment, the lightest components, and top-of-the-line data acquisition systems. Anything to find one more tenth, right? 
I'll tell you right now, the best investment you could ever make is in yourself. If you want to improve your results, it's time for professional instruction and coaching at the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy. Located at the new state-of-the-art speed sports racing park just north of Houston, the Alan Rudolph Racing Academy uses the very best equipment, Burrell Art Carts. They offer half-day, one-day, two-day, and three-day clinics. They have a one-on-one student-to-instructor ratio, and they will design a customized curriculum for each student. Alan Rudolph is one of the most respected people in the sport, and he has nearly 20 years' experience training drivers, including Chase Elliott, Neil Alberico, Austin Versteeg, and Sabre Cook, and rising stars like Pietro Fittipaldi. Train with a champion with over 30 years of racing experience to get proven results. Start off your season with a driver tune-up. Tune-up your season with some driver coaching. Or get ready for the big races by training with the best. Reserve your dates now by calling 866-607-RACE. That's 866-607-7223. For more information, visit speedsportsracingpark.com slash racing hyphen academy. Do you want to drive the best? Drive a CRG. Our countless race wins and championships prove this fact including taking the KZ Finals at the Scusa Super Nationals and the CIK World Championships in both 2016 and 2017. Our material is second to none. After years of independent American importers, CRG is now managed directly by the factory and run out of our state-of-the-art headquarters in Texas. CRG Nordam is the American arm of the CRG factory in Italy, and we're serious about success. We stock a wide variety of parts in all of our chassis, from the CRG Hero for the Mini categories, to the Heron for Tag Racing, the Road Rebel for Gearbox Competition, and the new FS4, which has been designed specifically for American four-cycle Briggs Racing. If you're ready to step up to the national level, do it with a factory race team that competes across the USA. CRG Nordam is a full factory effort with the best personnel and the finest equipment. We're serious about winning, and you should be too. Welcome back to episode number 31 of the EKN Debrief. We are going through the Scusa Pro Tour Summer Nationals from Newcastle last weekend. Jumping into the Paddock Pass, lots to talk about this edition of the Paddock Pass, brought to you by the Texas Pro Kart Challenge. The finest regional karting series in the great state of Texas will cap off its 2018 season on September 22nd and 23rd at the Dallas Karting Complex, running all the same classes as the Supercart USA Pro Tour. The Texas Pro Kart Challenge champions will receive guaranteed starting spots at this November's Super Nationals. If you're a club racer looking to raise your game, come join in on the Texas Pro Kart Challenge action at DKC to prepare for the 2019 season. You can find all the information you need at TexasProKartChallenge.com. All right, David, ninth running of the Scusa Summer Nationals, the very first one you actually weren't at. We, we discussed that. You were actually at Newcastle for a road tax race. I was up at Shauna, Wisconsin, 2010. Uh, A.J. Allmendinger, Jamie McMurray were there as well. Uh, 88 drivers for that uh, first Summer Nationals, the inaugural year of the Pro Tour. Uh, 245 this year, so significant growth. Pretty much uh, right around 300%. Uh, it was the midway point of the, the Supercar USA Pro Tour season for the first seven years. Uh, but now, the last two years, the finale 
gets it. Everybody gets it done. Champions decided. Number one plates awarded. We go to the wide open supernatural, which I think makes things just a little, little easier for everybody going to Vegas. Yeah, I think. I think the summer nationals has really found a home at Newcastle, uh, you know, being there the last four years uh, it's, it just seems like that uh, Tom Kutcher and the Scusa staff really mend well with, with the Newcastle facility and, and Mark Dismore and Mike Adams and, and the whole crew that's there. So, you know, it, it, it's going to be tough to see if I don't, I don't really see it happening anytime soon, but I think the summer nationals almost has a permanent home, uh, moving forward, I you know it's nothing official, but I really see it, I really see it as being the the East Coast Pro Tour race. Yeah, I, I don't disagree with you. And again, I'll reiterate what you're saying. We don't have any confirmation. Tom's never told us that it's there forever. Uh, you know, it's I'm sure that you know they, they work great together, like you said. Uh, it's the track just races so well. You know, the, the paddock's big enough to have everybody. Uh, the track's fantastic. We can have more carts if we had to, you know, you could run 50 carts if you had to 55, uh, depending on the class, if you needed to, cause it's a one mile racetrack here. We're, you know, we're talking one point, what, what, one minute and two seconds to one minute, and 15 second laps. Like it, we're not getting back down to below a minute lap time. So, uh, it's an amazing track, lots of places to pass. Hospitality is amazing. Uh, you know, they, they, they rock the racers grill. It's just, it's just a great place to race. I, I totally agree with you. Paddock was absolutely packed, David, this this particular trip. Uh, they overflowed into the regular parking lot. Just the atmosphere I thought was really, really good. Yeah, and there's plenty of room for them to grow too, because obviously they they try to, you know, they try like they've been doing at the Supernats where we have all this space, trying to give everybody enough room so they're not butt to butt, you know, ass to ass type yeah. deal. And you got plenty of room. So there's believe me, there's plenty of room for them to hit over 300 entries. I really believe that because you have, you have the main paddock with, with the, with the, the paved roads, and then you have the grass paddock that you could, you can organize a little bit better. It's just getting all the pedestrian cars and, and all now all the RVs, as we saw this year, they use the paved parking area for, for as the uh, RV parking lot. So um, they definitely have room to grow. I really would love to see this event get closer to that 300 mark Agreed. Uh, that would be that would be an amazing feat but uh you know again it, it's it, it's really cool just just to see that type of an event at newcastle every year all right let's uh that that's a good overview of course the paddock itself the rvs there it just it was just a great great feel let's spin around now let's not, not so much the negative it's a negative positive but let's let's talk about the penalties i know that you had a, a good chat with uh joe janowski the director of competition to go over how many video reviews they had how you know how many investigations that were called in by the race control how many penalties then came and how many no penalties came from the video marshalling system because i think I, and i i brought it up over the the pa and our ek and trackside live broadcast david a number of times throughout this the, the uh the weekend it just seems like you know over the last Two years, right? You and I were there when they first got the video marshalling system at NOLA last year. It was brand new. There were the, the now the racing was a lot rougher than it is nowadays, so they were calling more stuff in. But it was just almost it was almost too much. There was so many up. They, they were trying to leverage it so much to use the video that it was this new the new technology. Over this last two years, David, they've really. I think optimized it. You know, they've really got a better feel with how they can use it. And of course, people have been in their positions for two years now as well. I think they are really, really right now maximizing that video marshaling program. That's just it. It's just like driving. You know, you can't just jump into a cart and be fast first lap. 
it might take you six or seven laps to be fast. Well, this is like the seventh event really that they've used, you know, the, the video marshalling yep. system. And like you said, they, they needed to find a way that they needed a procedure in how to go about this. They couldn't just, you know, look at this, look at this, look at that, look at this. It was, you know, they needed to fine tune everything on, on how to approach it. Because again, we shouldn't re- be relying strictly on the video. That was one of the biggest faults they had. I think at the beginning is, is there, tr- yep. they were trying to rely a little bit too much on the video to where, you know, now, you know, as you know, we haven't gotten the numbers yet, but it's, it's a little bit less. It's not as more as, as much as it was in, in NOLA and that, because obviously you can tell a penalty from a penalty most of the time. But again, it's good to have that video to not only back you up, but to just maybe just prove you wrong. Even you might've saw something that, that you thought was a penalty and in, in case it wasn't. So it's, it, it, it it's it's I think they've gotten to a good point position with the video marshalling system where they are at right now. I think they kind of understand now how they need to approach it. And I think they're getting the, the right people in the right positions. So on Saturday, David, uh, 135 video investigations, video reviews called in by race control to the trailer. Uh, of those 135, 71 were penalties. 64 were no penalties. So they called the contact, saw something there, and then... Some deemed avoidable, some deemed unavoidable, or uh, or deemed no contact whatsoever. That's kind of an interesting number, right? Almost pretty much half. A little different on Sunday. 119 reviews, a little less in terms of video investigations. 83 penalties, 36 no penalties. But you can just see that they're actually, they're using it. And yeah, some are penalties, but some, because they're looking at that video, they're saying, you know what? I thought I saw something, but no, it's clear. You're good to go. I think that's, again, that's good. That's showing that that they're not just using it just just to find someone at fault. They're also showing it to find someone that was not at fault, or that the fact there wasn't even an incident. And I think that's key. Yeah, and again, the 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 procedure for a race director and and the way he goes about it, it kind of he does kind of get better as the weekend goes along. And I think that's kind of what we see with that. You know, the sixty four no penalties on a Saturday to where we only had thirty six on Sunday, to where you know their vision. And the way they see things or or maybe just the, the fact that driving wasn't didn't appear to be as rough on Sunday. But again, in, in the flip side, we normally see more rough driving on Sunday because it is the last day. So, uh, you know, it's it's going to be it's never going to be the same type of numbers from event to event. But, you know, it's good to see that the officials are looking at things because there's I don't think that's one thing we we can say people are saying when we leave a race is that the officials aren't doing anything. You know, again, it's different from tent to tent because, again, you're focused in on that your own little box and your own little people, and you don't yep. see the big picture that uh, that these officials see. And again, this isn't just racing; this is qualifying too that they're that they're reviewing things. So we're talking, you know, for for the X thirty senior and junior, that's four, five, six sessions that they're that they're uh, calling penalties and reviewing penalties. You know, speaking, David, of of people being in their own tents and kind of focusing on their own racing. So a lot of a lot of the teams don't, and actually a lot of people in the paddock. Let's just say everybody they don't get to see as many starts as you and I do, right? We watch every start <laughs> of every race for the last nine years of the Pro Tour. If you look, you and I look at just these last couple of years, what these starts have been like. Right, people again. People, you, you guys don't watch every start. You're, you're, a lot of times, you're back with your kid in the paddock, or you're, you're, you're whatever. You're a team owner. You're a mechanic. You're working on your own stuff. The starts, 
and I, I, the reason why I'm bringing this because I'm ta- we're talking pushback bumpers now, and we'll talk about the penalties. The starts this particular weekend, if you th- they are so contrast to what we had two years ago, even a year ago, but let's say two years ago, three, four years ago at the Supernats, and 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 so on and so on. The pushback bumpers, I know some people love them, some people hate them. You cannot argue that they have fixed the starts in Pro Tour racing. Well, even from NOLA. I mean, NOLA, we didn't have yeah. a pushback bumper. And we had, as yeah. as I just watched a video, a guy just drove driving right into a wreck because I, who knows why, but it's just, <laughs> it's just say, ridiculous. But, to figure out why. but, but yeah, just, it's, it's alleviated the guy coming from 29th trying to get to fifth in the opening corner, you know, and that, you know, the old saying is you can't, you can't win the f- race on the first corner, but you sure as hell can lose it. And it just for me, we were right there. You know, the Cooper Tire Broadcast Center was right at right at turn one, and we watched every start. And I was just, you know, I, I was normally I almost hold my breath because you know you're kind of waiting for that wreck. Who's going to make the big dive bomb move? Who's going to fly over top of whoever? And they were really, really clean. And I was, you know, there was a couple incidents here and there, but they were really clean. In, in the end, uh, on Saturday. Uh, 52 pushback bumper penalties, full pushback, five-second penalty. They didn't give any penalties at all for partial pushbacks. 52 pushbacks um, for penalties on Saturday, 82, 88 partials. On Sunday, 40 pushback penalties, again with a five-second penalty, uh, and 57 partials. So uh, overall, 92 penalties for pushback bumpers. Uh, but again, the partials, not so much, uh, but it, it dropped a bit for the second day of competition. I just, again, I get it. I get the fact that if you're running in a train and some guy makes a mistake and, or if you're, you know, and he drops a wheel and you bump into the back of him, or hard in the back of him, it's not your fault. I don't know what the answer to that yet is, whether or not you even want to open that Pandora's box and try to allow video. Like, Hey, I didn't do it. Here's the video. Um, the bottom line is it's, it's cleaned up the racing for sure. I didn't want it. You didn't want it. We thought it didn't be, it wasn't needed. But because people weren't racing clean, it had to come, and the results have been positive. I think. Yeah, it's it's interesting to see how Scuse has gone with the the full pushback as a penalty only, and the partial not being a penalty. Uh, you know, becoming coming from the USPKS over the last two years is they've done penalty for either a full pushback or a partial pushback. Because as we saw uh, with Austin Garrison, he lost uh, a race and a podium, or a race win and a podium. Uh, for a partial pushback. So, you know, again, it's hard to, because again, all the, all the bumpers are made different. All the noses are different. So it's hard. There's no concrete evidence yet on how this system is working and what's the best way to approach it. The one thing, you know, I think we can say 99% with, 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 uh, full confidence is that it's helping with the starts, you know, as you said earlier. Yeah. You know, my thought is this, uh, Anytime you have this kind of, we're, we're, we're taking this step. This is the option we're using right now to kind of clean, clean racing up. My, my thought is you, you, the least amount of penalty possible, but to still get the game, right? So you're, we're already saying, so Scusa has a five-second a, a five penalty for full activation, nothing for half. The results are there. Like we're having better starts and better racing. So in my mind, you know, you, you go as low as possible to still get the result, right? You could go 20-second penalty or, 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 you know, or exclusion, and you're probably not going to have any contact whatsoever. But there's a, they're still able to race clean with a five-second penalty. It's working so far. 
And of course, the, the USPKS is working as well. Every time we do a debrief, you tell us that it's, it's really good racing there as well. But there are some pushback issues. Tough to see a guy with a partial pushback lose a race. Um, and maybe that's why I think just that the, the least amount that you can penalize somebody still get the result of clean racing. That's, the, that's in my mind, the way to go. Yeah. And again, it's, it's because we don't have numbers on it, what exactly pushes it back. You know, that's what I'm talking yep. about with the different bumpers and the different nerf bars and the different nose pieces, you know, how, you know, the, cl- the claim is, well, I just went over a bump and it pushed it back. Well, you know, there's no concrete evidence that, that can prove it or disprove that. So that, that again, I, you know, that's kind of going to be the, over the winter, I think is, is, do we, do we penalize for partial or do we not penalize for partial? So I think that's going to be kind of the debate for, for not only SCUSA, but for USPKS moving forward. And then, you know, who knows what WK is going to do. I'm not even sure yet what they're going to do because they're going to implement pushback bumpers next year as well. Okay. Episode number 31 of the EKN debrief. My name is Rob Howden, David Cole and I breaking down the recent Supercarts USA Summer Nationals, the finale of the Pro Tour. We are doing the Paddock Pass, brought to you by Texas Pro Car Challenge. This whole podcast being presented by K1 Race Gear. Uh, David, one of the interesting things we've seen at, uh, at these races, uh, they had at the Winter Series as well, is they brought the IME Scusa shifter engine, the SSE. Uh, they had some test drives on Friday and Saturday. There was mixed feedback from drivers who actually got behind the wheel. You yourself jumped behind the wheel to, to bang out a couple of laps. What... Uh, what did you hear from from the guys you talked about? Because we've already talked about the fact that Scusa has got to come up with a plan for their shifter car program. Give us a three, four, five year plan. Let people know what's going on gearbox wise with Supercarts USA, the organization that really is the leader in shifter car racing has been for the last twenty five years here in North America. They need to let people know what they're going to do. Is this engine coming out? Is this the engine that that's going to be the, the you know for the next five to ten years? You drove it. What are your thoughts on it? And uh, and what did what did you hear from the other guys that, that drove it? Well, it's kind of hard for me to give a you know let's go with this type type uh, um, thought regarding the engine uh, because I haven't driven a shifter in probably over eight years. I think it was so. This was my first time actually getting into a shifter cart in a long, long time, and 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 it, it, it felt different for me. You know, obviously I've been racing Briggs, so it's, it was really weird for me to go from that to, to the shifter cart, but it was fun in the same, in the same right. So the fun factor, I think it was really cool. I mean, the, again, I haven't driven a shifter in a long time, but I came out of that scoreboard corner and my head was looking up at the sky because there was just so much power being put down by the engine. So I don't know if it was just because of the 170, 175 cc it has or just because i'm my neck is that weak now so and i i just can't handle it anymore um but um you know it 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 was a really short um gearing um that was one thing that they said they didn't quite have right was the was the gearing for the racetrack so you're you're in six and it felt like you wanted to go up to another gear but it was already there in six so that was different. But again, this is probably one of the longer racetracks that they've had these engines on. So that's something they, they've not, I think they did it on Saturday. I think they fixed the, uh, the gearing there to make it a little bit uh, longer. Uh, so it wasn't quite a, a lot of shifts going on. Um, but through the corners, you know, it, you either had to be on it or off of it. You know, again, just like most shifter engines, you can't, you can't feather that engine. Uh, as you're making a corner, otherwise you're going to just, you're like a bucking Bronco type deal. Yeah. Uh, yeah. but overall, you know, I think it, it was a really cool, 
cool experience to do. Um, some guys said, you know, they, they felt it, it wasn't any more impressive than any of the other engines that are out there right now. But then you had guys that got in it like an Alex Bertignoli, who's never driven a shifter cart before and said it was, a, it was a freaking riot. So, um, again, I think, you know, I think they're still kind of hesitant on pulling the trigger on this engine, but I think they're there to where they can. Um, it seems, it seems like the work they've done with Tillotson on the carburetor has, has been phenomenal. And I think they, they have all the right pieces to, to make this go. Well, uh, David, that kind of, that kind of plays into our final comment here in the paddock pass. The fact that, uh, you know, the question, where's Cusa going for 2019? Uh, you know, what's going on with the winter series? What are we looking at for the pro tour next year? What are the classes that are going to get offered? Uh, I think it was, was it Saturday night? Right when we were wrapping up before we did the podiums, I believe they recorded another uh, edition of the conversation. Uh, Chris Ortenberger, of course, doing his interview with uh, with Tom. I think they had questions being asked online, so actually people were asking asking questions. So I'll be interested to see when that comes out because you know no- normally that conversation piece comes out with some pretty good info to allow us to know what's going on for the, the you know the coming year. Yeah, speaking with Chris, he had I mean a lot of those those questions were in the interview. So I'm I'm sure there's going to be some breaking news or or at least some updates uh, regarding not only the Super Nats but 2019 Winter Series and the 2019 Scusa Pro Tour. So, but again, a lot of people are questioning. You know, there's there's you know questions as to where the Winter Nats are going, where the Spring Nats are going. You know, what categories we're going to run? Obviously, we're going to have Micro, Mini, Junior, Master, and and Senior. It's 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 what do we do with the shifters? And I. Th- yeah. You know, I, I, I think if they introduce that, that the SSE engine, um, it, it, it should work because you still have the guys that want to go national racing with shifter card engines. So, yeah, I, I don't, you know, it's an interesting thing because do you bring that engine in and get it rolling for the top level guys? Do you still have another senior shifter for Honda still? You know, I don't, I don't know. And then, and then again, like you said, do you, do you even make the jump with this, the, with the masters guys anymore if they're not going to come out and play? I don't know. It's a, it's a really, it's interesting. Lots to lots to come, of course, from Supercarts USA to find out what's going to happen for 2019. That wraps up our paddock pass. We're going to jump into the race report after this break and actually start going class by class. Give you an update on what happened on track. David and I'll talk about some of the shenanigans that happened in a number number of the classes. Otherwise, when we get back after this commercial break, it's time to talk racing here on the EKN debrief. For over a century, Briggs and Stratton has had a commitment and passion for racing. It's a DNA found in every engine we build today. So whether you kart race, Baja, race quarter midgets, or believe that dirt and snow are just God's way of adding to the challenge, the dedicated spirit of every Briggs & Stratton employee stands at the fence waiting for the green flag to drop. Briggs & Stratton Racing. What powers you? Scusa's national number one plate one of the most sought-after trophies in the sport. 3G Kart Racing is the proud owner of a number one plate for 2018 thanks to the performance of our championship-winning driver, Jordan Musser. In 2017, Jordan topped the S4 field to win the title aboard his 3G Kart Racing Fissure-powered Borellar. Like Jordan, we're dedicated to winning, and we can help you succeed as well. We're located in Katy, Texas, and we proudly support our local club, the Gulf Coast Carters. We also hit the road to compete regionally in the Texas Pro Kart Challenge and nationally on the Supercarts USA Pro Tour. We support top quality race winning material, Burrell Art, Intrepid, Miami, 
Fisher, and True Tech Racing Engines. From new cart purchase and professional assembly to a full trackside support program, 3G's customer service is second to none. Our extensive inventory, backed by knowledgeable people, will keep you up front on the track. Welcome back to episode number 31 of the EKN Debrief. Rob Howden and David Cole breaking down the Supercarts USA Pro Tour Summer National season finale at Newcastle Motorsports Park. The race report. Let's jump into it. This uh, race report presented by Nitro Kart. If you've got a racer just starting out in cadet racing or already racing but ready to take the next step onto the podium, you need a Nitro Kart. 2018 has already seen many Nitro Kart drivers score wins in Scusa, WKA, and USPKS competition and even more at the club level. Whether you're racing two-cycle or four-cycle, Nitro Kart has you covered with the best cadet chassis on the market. Nitro Kart, race one or chase one. All right, David, let's jump in here. It's time to talk racing. Uh, X30 Senior, uh, 73 drivers coming in. And this is the, the line I like, and we talked about last chance qualifiers. I like it when just making the main is, a, is an impressive feat. You know what I mean? Just those guys are able to make it to the main. 44 in. You know, the other uh, 30 guys or 29 guys didn't make the main. They had to come back on Sunday to go fighting for it. I love that for me. I think that's a cool deal. I think that's that that's the challenge uh, at this level of competition. But in race number one, bottom line is Brandon Jarsakrak was the guy uh, to jump to the forefront uh, in the main event. Yeah, he was. And again, like you said, I, I've been the when the Rock Island Grand Prix had LCQ's uh, first senior, I was I was one of those guys that thought it would be cool just to make the main. And unfortunately, I didn't. But that, you know, that's a whole another podcast. We'll get into that <laughs> later. Um, but yeah, you know, Jarza Crack, I, he's had a pretty solid resume at Newcastle. It's probably one of his most favorite and most successful tracks uh, winning last year at the Pro Tour, winning a lot at WKA and USPKS came in with two wins at USPKS two weeks ago and uh, was among the uh, the contenders right away. Uh, he was able to win the pre-final B uh, and start on the front row alongside pre-final A winner Johnny Edgar, who is the 2015 Super Nationals Tag Cadet winner and 2017. Yeah, I know. <laughs> but and then last year it was okay junior champion in in europe so yeah uh the, the kid's just been super on the progressive progressive ladder right from the start but yeah. then just and then and then to add in luke selican a 2012 scusa pro tour junior champion so it was uh there's no doubt about it this was probably one of the most deepest fields that we've had at, at a pro tour event yeah other than the super nats no question. Nothing, nothing. I don't think anything challenges it in the nine years. Of course, in the first seven years, the Super Nationals was the finale. Those are racing, obviously huge. But for a regular non-Super Nats Pro Tour, this was the deepest field we've ever had. We just, you just kept going through and seeing you know, Canadian champions, uh, junior, senior, whatever, cadet guy. It's, it was tremendous for sure. Um, let's talk about the, the, the battle. Obviously, Edgar and, and Selican right in there. Um, Josh Crack holding off Edgar. Ryan Norberg again, not not surprising, right? Into the into the fight again. This guy just there's a consistency there for Ryan. Of course, he's you know with with PSL carding on the Burrell. Man, this he's just good. He's just good. He's just good. Well, and he was right? consistent because he wasn't the fastest guy, but he was always you know he, he was there in the pre-finals uh, towards the front and and never really got you know he wasn't shuffled back at all in the at the start of the final and was able to just keep it, keep himself in contention. 
so he didn't have the quite the fastest cart, but uh, you know, to finish behind third behind Jarzakrak and Egger on Saturday really uh, probably put the confidence, not only confidence, but gave him the uh, the opportunity to go into the Sunday, knowing that he didn't have to go out and win. Yeah, he needed that first one, right? It's a, obviously a double race weekend, and you you get one drop. And that first race of the weekend on championship on championship weekend, you get that first one done, you get that podium, it just opens the door for Sunday. You know, you don't have to perform on Sunday, but you can whatever you got to do. And and again, you're right. The word you said was was consistent. That's how he was uh, all weekend long. So Josh Crack with the win, Edgar in second, and, and Ryan Norberg third. Sunday, uh, wow, the Canadians came to the forefront. Uh, one of our title contenders, Samuel Lupian, with with Rolson Performance Group, fast time and qualifying, he wins pre final A. Uh, Ryan McDermott running for Trevor Wickens' uh, prime power team on the Burrell uh, wins p- uh, pre-final B. So it's an all-Canadian front row. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, this was a, a pretty good uh, outing for Ryan. Uh, and Lupian needed needed to do what he, you know, needed to be up front all day long. Because as yeah. we said, you know, Norberg getting that podium on Sun- or on Saturday really gave Norberg the advantage going into Sunday. Well, Lupian still had an outside chance going in on the day because, again, Norberg had a DNF at NOLA on the opening day. So a DNF for Norberg on Sunday would have pretty much opened the door for Lupian, uh, you know, should he uh, be on the podium. Yeah, you were feeding me the stats all weekend long, and I do appreciate that as we went into the, the main on Sunday as well. You, you, you know, that was on my note, the, the note you gave to me. Norberg just needed to finish P11. Right. And he's going to win the championship. TNF and he's in trouble. But P11, I think it was what? P12 and P13. He was going to be okay. We win the championship if he had fast time of the, of the race as well to get that, those 10 bonus points. He needed that to lock things down. He ends up finishing seventh to earn his third straight title. An amazing run for Norbert. But in the, in the race itself, McDermott, last lap battle, the guys were on top of each other. The, the, the final couple laps of that race were tremendous. He gets the win. Uh, Lupian in second. Alex Bertignoli up to third. He just, that it's probably the his best excuse a pro tour senior run just to be so impressive there on Sunday. Well, that's actually his second podium this season, so uh, yeah. it, it matched uh, what he did in Nola. Uh, so another you know stayed out of trouble, had the speed you know kind of like a Norberg pace where he had the speed but wasn't quite the quickest guy. Uh, you know, Lupian actually was I think back to eighth at one point uh, early on. He got because he got shuffled back at the start. So I think Lupian uh, had fast lap of the race because he was the quickest guy on the track. And then once he joined, you know, Edgar uh, and McDermott and McBurdignoli, it, it kind of triggered everybody like, oh, we got to go now. So that's when that's <laughs> when the racing kind of happened uh, in the last couple of laps. But um, but yeah, for McDermott, very big win for him, uh, you know, able to get get out ahead uh, during uh, right before the white flag. And then just held on to the final circuit, never put a tire wrong uh, to earn his first Scusa Pro Tour victory. Yeah, I wondered if something was going to happen on that run out of 13 all the way down to the I-70 uh, left-hand hairpin. But they kind of battled behind him even more. You know, he was able to get out, out clean. Um, they were battling like crazy for second, third, and fourth. So he might have got a little bit lucky there, but it was able to come out and clean and, and, and get the job done. And again, for... Young Canadian driver, a huge victory for him. And again, we got to got to cap off this segment just saying three straight back to back to back championships for Ryan Norberg in the Pro Tour. That's that's unprecedented in the nine years of the, of the tour, uh, David. But considering the level of competition over the years, to be able to win three in a row, I, that's 
I, to me, it, it's absolutely so impressive against the, these drivers that we have here. It was very impressive. And, you know, a very uh, humble person, you know, not, not outlandish, not outspoken. Uh, I think he was very humbled, uh, very humble champion to, uh, to win. Agreed. All right, let's move into X30 Junior, David. Pre-final winners, Arias Duke-Medjian and Connor Zilich kind of set the tone uh, for the final on Friday. Both those drivers look very good. They, uh, I, w- I almost want to say they were able to kind of lead at will. You know, they they were very comfortable. They sat second for a bit. They, they'd make the move when they needed to. Um, it, would, it just seemed very apparent that both those drivers were really on their game and were ready to go at it in the main event. They were. Um, you know, Zilich, I think, coming – Coming back from racing over uh, in Italy for the last couple of weeks, I think his trip over there really built the confidence because, again, we're talking about a junior rookie. Uh, he was really good in the cadet level. Uh, you know, obviously his size kind of, you know, he's he's not very big uh, as a junior driver, but we see, we're seeing that a lot with, with a lot of the first-year uh, junior drivers. But I think he built that confidence uh, – and going to a track like Newcastle where he's very familiar and, and knows, knows how to win there. So I think I think that really helped him uh, coming into this weekend. But Arias, obviously, with his wins and at the Spring Nats, uh, you know, the confidence was already there. And it, it continues to build. And, yeah. you know, I, you know, I don't want to look ahead, but I, I maybe we won't see him back in karting again. I don't know. <laughs> They never know. You're right. Like he could be making the move to cars in the near future. Um, let's talk about the race. Cap it off. Uh, Connor Zilich uh, battling with Duke Medjian. Eventually, Zilich takes control. He ends up getting the provisional victory. It's tough to say. Uh, they actually laid down a five-second penalty for jump start. Uh, he was on the outside, I believe, and just jumped it just a little bit. Um, he ends up dropping to eighth in the order. Reese Gold, who finishes second, goes up for the victory. Mateus Morgado in second. And Santiago Tresini. Uh, rounding out the podium, always, always tough. You know, the, and the race directors hate it too. They don't, they don't want to give the penalty, but jump starts are pretty darn easy to see uh, when you had we had that punch off cone and that kind of acceleration window. It's pretty easy to see it there, and they were all standing right there. So, well, yeah, they've they've kind of set the precedent now. Uh, I I hate it. I don't like the <laughs> the rule that they have in place for it because again, you know, dating back to when we all started racing, it was the pole setter sets the pace and. And as long as the outside pole isn't ahead of you, it's good to go. And now, now we have this, this, this really cookie cutter type, you know, wannabe NASCAR situation where you oh no, you can't go until this cone. And so it, it, it adds more pressure to the pole sitter to where he should, he yeah. should have the ability to go when he wants and when not to go. And that, that's, yeah, it, we, we, it, we, and we talk about it, David, it's almost a penalty to be on the pole. Is. You know what I mean? It's just, it's almost a penalty. You don't, you don't, you almost rather start. I'd rather second. start third. Because you're, <laughs> yeah, you're right, dude. You're because, right. Because, you know, you're, because you're if wrong. the pole sitter jump starts, oh, I'm probably going to be ahead of second place. So that puts me in second and then he's going to get a penalty. So I'm first. There you go. There you go. There you go. We'll start. We should start awarding 10 point bonuses for, for qualifying third, <laughs> not, for, <laughs> not first. I agreed. It's, you know, we're lifelong race guys. You know, you and I talk about stock car racing all the time too, and whatever it may be, it's, you know, I, I, I'm more of, I'm with you. I'm more of the, let, let them come down, let the pole sitter set the pace and, you know, give the green flag to air like is, let them throw them when he thinks they're well, good to go. Like, let's well, just go racing. It's just, again, that's, that's part because of the problem. They don't throw a green flag. They do the lights. They, they stoop, the no, stupid lights. No. We almost got them not to put them up. It would have been such a great, 
atmosphere change because yeah. again, nobody can see the lights except for the drivers. How are we supposed to know? Yeah. I honestly can't. I obviously I like to give my green, green, green call. I can't do that until the, cause I honestly, the first guy I look at is one of the guys with the yellow flags. I got to make sure they're not going to go full course yellow, like, you know, through the yellow to, cause I can't see the lights either. And it's like, you and I are the same on that. We just, we, we're not, Let's let's put that one to the side. In the race itself, let's cap it off. Uh, Duke Medjian finishing in fourth position, like Norberg, that really good, solid opening race for the weekend. Um, Duke Medjian ends up finishing in fourth, gives him solid control in the standings heading into Championship Sunday. Uh, we move to Sunday. Zilich again super quick. And another one of the young junior drivers who stepped up uh, to be like one of the lead junior drivers in the country now, Jeremy Fairburn. He and Zilich winning the Sunday prefinals. Yeah, Fairburn is really came in on a roll, winning in GoPro and the USPKS, winning at WK at Norway, and then winning again at Newcastle for USPKS. So I think, you know, him being the probably the lar- tallest driver in the paddock, not only in junior, but maybe even senior as well, too. Um, he kind of has that formal type uh, stature to where even yeah. though he's not wide, but he's he's using his body to kind of just put the cart exactly where he wants it in this weird type of 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 posture that he has. It's not weird, but just just to be able to move the upper body and to kind of get that extra little grip to to either flare the cart to the inside or or jump out to the outside. So it was uh, he's really he's really got the car control down a lot because we're seeing him uh, really at the front at all the races uh, throughout the year. It's funny you bring up Danny Formal because that's they had that similar stature where they you know they're not he's not crouched over he's like he's almost leaned further back yeah. you know got the, the straight arms he's got the whole back like he really uses the the, the body uh, I agree with you on that he's been able to 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 get a feel for how to make the car work as well when he is as tall as he is um, so f- we go into in the into the main event and uh, an issue that we that we've talked about for the last couple of years drivers ignoring yellow flags that uh, that. It just drives us all crazy. A hard wreck coming out at uh, essentially the I-70 straightaway, out of 13, down to 14. A couple drivers get together. One is in the right in the middle of the racetrack, backwards pointing towards the field. Screws a flag, guys. That, marshals are out there furiously waving yellow flags, and these kids have their heads down. Nobody, li- nobody lifts. Nobody puts their hand in the air. And one of the guys who was, what, 100 yards away from the incident when it happened, drives right into the guy in the middle of the racetrack. <laughs> it just... It's it's tough to see that. I know I know that you and I feel the same way about yellow flags. Um, I, I wish they I wish there's something they could do. I really wish there's some way. That's the one thing now, David. Right? We've complained about racecraft, and it's getting better. There's no pushback bumper for a kid putting his hand up or slowing down a bit on a yellow. It's just something no, there, to teach no there, yeah, there is, there really isn't. And again, you know, it's because they're putting their heads down, they're tucking, they're not looking past the the rear bumper of the cart ahead of them. Yeah. Um, that's that is part of racecraft. That really is. Um, but again, you 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 can't. There's no band aid for it. There, and then there, yeah. there's no way to teach that other than a, a, a proper uh, driver coach showing a driver how to look ahead and be aware. Because again, if if you see that trouble. You're you, you're going to have to to figure out an exit plan or find a way to get not only get away from the stranded cart in the middle of the racetrack, but not to run over or get run over by carts in a huddy view and behind you. It's funny because you know this is X thirty junior David. If it were to happen on the street in your car, if somebody's if somebody spins in front of you in your car, you're going to put the brakes on. 
you're immediately going to slow down, right? To make sure you don't get caught into that wreck if you're on the highway. These kids, of course, never driven on the highway by themselves. So like there's not one person on the highway that's going to be at at 100, whatever, 80 miles an hour on cruise control, knock it off, not put the brake on if there's a wreck. That's what they're doing nowadays. They don't even lift, right? There's a wreck in front of them and they just power through. And it's it's something that will obviously be, I think, the next thing up. Because I think that Joe Janowski, uh, he's fed up with it as well. Uh, he's trying to figure out a way to, to to get these kids to heed yellow flags. That's again another topic. Well, let's not let's not take the entire time up focusing on that. But it is an issue. There was a huge wreck at the start of the race. We went red for quite a while. Thankfully, thankfully, both drivers unharmed. Uh, that's great. They were able to get up and and, and walk away, which is great. Uh, otherwise, let's get back into the race. Um, had some wild laps, David, uh, in terms of guys back and forth. Uh, Fairburn eventually gets to the lead, but. Man, the racing was pretty uh, was pretty frenetic for a while there uh, near the end of the race. It was because there wasn't really any clear cut driver yeah. uh, that was standing out until Fairburn actually gained control of the lead and was able to drive off to the victory. Uh, Luca Mars kind of followed up and caught up to him at the end and just came up just short at the line. Uh, and then Morgado with another podium on the weekend, uh, finishing in third. Dick Medjian was right there again in fourth. Uh, and that uh, that finish secured his his Scusa Pro Tour title. Yeah, pretty impressive for Arias, right? Just to, we've kind of watched him develop over the last couple of years, and to be able to to roll in there and win that championship in X30 Junior, good for him. A couple of really consistent finishes. Uh, congrats to Arias Dukmejian and his crew for uh, scoring that title. Let's cap off, David, this uh, this first segment of the race report. Again, uh, this race report brought to you by Nitro Carts. X30 Masters. I'll let, I'll let you get things underway, but the bottom line, Leonardo Neencutter uh, came into the event. This guy wants the title. I was, I was thrilled to have him come and, come and play the, with the, for the whole season, but he was focused on getting this title. He was fast out of the box and qualifying. Well, you knew when he was at the Winter Nationals that Leonardo was going to be among the championship contenders. Yeah. Uh, so when he came, you know, obviously, into the weekend as still in the hunt, um, he, he turned up the wick, uh, uh, at, at trying to get there. Um, as you said, came out of the box fast, setting fast time and qualifying, um, USPKS winner, Scott Roberts actually beat him in the, in the rest of the field for the prefinal win. Um, you did say, Hey, we did, when we did the, de- the debrief for the USPKS race, the two weeks ago at Newcastle, you said Scott Roberts was going to be in the hunt and you were right. Well, yeah. And the thing about it was, is Scott wasn't actually scheduled to race until after the USPKS weekend, uh, because <laughs> his tuner, uh, Richie Warren was actually hired to, to work for another guy. And so Scott said, Hey, I'm going to be uh, in Newcastle again in two weeks. And he's so Richie actually couldn't get out of the, uh, the other job. So, uh, Scott had a different tuner this weekend, but still had Alex speed behind him, you know, under the, uh, uh speed concepts racing tent. So, um, him and Alex worked really well together as well too. So, um, but yeah, Roberts obviously loves this racetrack and, uh, was able to do, uh, beat everybody in the pre-final. So him and Neen Connor kind of went back and forth in the, uh, in the main event. Uh, you throw in Martin Pierce and you throw in Jess Peterson who came in, uh, from the tail of the field after a DNF in the pre-final. So, uh, it was a really great race between all those guys. Neen Cotter, though, was able to uh, to master Peterson in the final lap, scoring uh, his second victory of the season. Uh, and then with Peterson and Jonathan Silva actually sliding up to uh, complete the podium. Yeah, Jonathan's really kind of dialing things in, isn't he? He's uh, it's He's been doing a lot of racing. Uh, of course, he's working with Austin Garrison, too, to get some coaching. But uh, 
it's cool, man. He, he just he's doing a lot of a lot of racing, and I like this. He's he's become one of the guys, a top five, top six, top seven guy. Not not saying that's where he finishes all the time, but I mean he's one of those guys now, Jonathan Silva, that when you come to a race, you know he's going to be in the fight for the for either the race winner or or a podium. He's just he's he's got to that level, I think. Yeah, he was at the USPKS weekend at Newcastle, so I think. Him being at, at that event and then coming back two weeks later, I think that really helped uh, his pace. Um, I know he was fast at Ocala as well, too. Um, wasn't quite there, I don't think, in Phoenix. You know, again, Phoenix is kind of a hit or miss. Either you're on it or you're not. Uh, but, yeah, definitely Silva is uh, is stepping up to be one of the regular Masters driver we have uh, con- contending for podium finishes. So championship leader Paulo Lopez ends up finishing the sixth position, putting he and Dean Cotter uh, with a three-point difference heading into Sunday. Uh, obviously, this championship is going to come down to these two guys essentially going head-to-head on championship Sunday. But, David, <laughs> we start off qualifying on Sunday for X30 Masters, and uh, what do you? It was a, it's a joke, essentially, right? It was just the, the, a group of the, the front-running guys came out together and they were doing that cat and mouse kind of driving around super slow. They were trying to, they all wanted to get in line with each other. They drove around almost two full laps at super slow speed, just kind of putting around. They would dive across the other side of the racetrack. They just, they, it was like they were, they wanted to make sure nobody behind them was going to line up with them and learn their line or draft off them, whatever, whatever it was. We see that, of course, on a regular basis now. And, and trust me, the race directors want to end that quickly. They're trying to figure out a way to end it. So this track's long. It's a mile long. Uh, it's at speed, what a one hundred four or something like that for the for the uh, for the X thirty guys. The slow out lap before they even get around to get the first lap. It's like it, by the time these guys finally start to spool up, David, what there was like two minutes remaining. So the fast guys, the guys who were racing for the race win, end up getting just two fast laps in. It was. It was ridiculous. Well, it's not hard. It's not hard to to get rid of it. We just set a uh, maximum lap time that they can go. You know, yeah. say within five seconds of your of a regular lap time. If you're over that, you lose your two fast laps. And if you don't have a fast lap, well, you're going to start last. Agreed. So that's that's one way go. that you know we'll 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 try and get Joe Janowski to to look at for the future. I mean, because for X thirty senior, X thirty junior, you can use it for all the categories. Uh, maybe even, even an S one. I mean, we see this a lot of times in the S one group to where they'll, they'll just roll out and, and, and goof off and, and play cat and mouse games and, and not, uh, try and lay down a fast lap. And the other that we didn't see this, of course, next 30 master, but you know, we also see a lot of times when guys are going to go out there and do that and they impede a guy on a fast lap. Somebody has gone out early. They're on a fast lap and these guys impede them. We saw it a lot. At it Phoenix. was close. Phoenix, it was horrible. They were, well, oh, it was, that was bad. It was, it was close because there there was a group that they kind of mingled in. They tried to, I think they tried to gap each other. But I even, I, I, I believe there were penalties laid out for impeding. There you go. All right. So when it's all said done, Lauren Tumardan on the on the pole, driver who uh, swept the weekend at, at uh, the Summer Nats the year before, uh, driver of the Technocart USA entry, uh, Mardan fast time. Uh, Scott Roberts still steps to the forefront to win the the pre final. Uh, Leonardo Necotter, actually, after the issue, he's one of the guys that got caught out. He He's able to climb his way up to third position, moves to the lead um, in the in the championship battle with the points. But, David, man, it's the final was, of course, it, you know, you knew Necotter, the, the experience, he was, he was very likely going to step up and win that championship. 
You, yeah, there we've seen it many, many times. We've seen it at least three times at the Supernats. So, yep. uh, you know, where he wasn't the dominant driver, but but found his way to the to the top of the podium. And and again, you know, just you know, starting third was able to uh, to jump out to the lead, and I, and so led all but the f- opening lap, and was able to score his third victory of the season to clinch the title. Uh, Paulo Lopez finished in second, but he got penalized. Avoidable contact. Yeah, I'm not quite sure what, where, and what that happened, but obviously Lopez was basically fighting for his life. Uh, you know, obviously with Neen Cotter being out front, he wanted to, 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 you know, at least do the best that he could. And I, and obviously something happened to where uh, the officials deemed that was a penalty. Uh, Jess Peterson and Martin Pierce back on the podium. Good to have Martin Pierce over here. It's been a while, obviously uh, a top driver in Rotax competition, but uh, good to have him out running with the, with the boys next 30 master. It was fun. Good to see him back out. Yeah. A little uh, trivia, trivia question. What year did he win at the Rock Island? Grand okay. Um, I'm going to say uh, 2002. Wow, you're so off. Was it how far off was it? Yeah, because I was there. So it was four. So no, no. I'm gonna I'm gonna give some time here. Just just <laughs> let, let's let's go to the let's go to commercial. I'm gonna give some people some time so that way when we come <laughs> back they can think about it or even look it up on the internet and then and then we'll give them the answer. Yes, Martin Pierce was a winner. Dave, what, ch- what chassis was he on? Oh, that one I know. Yeah, that's easy. I know that one. I don't want to give the. I don't want to give the answers. We'll give. Okay, we both give our answers after the commercial break. After the commercial break, right, stick with us, folks. More to come. Even annoying David Cole with his trivia. <laughs> stick with <laughs> us. The Cart Republic has arrived in the USA, and it's taking the world by storm. Cartsport North America is the country's importer and distributor for Diano Chiesa's Cart Republic chassis, and as a leader in American karting. They are focused on providing stability for the sport and quality products and service for the community. Cart Republic is racking up the wins and championships, beginning with the 2018 Scusa Winter Series X30 Senior title in February. They just added the USPKS IAMI Senior Championship and both the Micro and Mini Swift crowns of the Supercarts USA Pro Tour. Cart Republic's resume includes wins from all over the world, including this year's European Championships. Cart Republic Senior and Junior chassis are on fire, and so is the new Mini Cart, which is winning in both Scusa and USPKS competition. The team has seats available for the Supercarts USA Super Nationals in November, so call us today to reserve your own winning Cart Republic. Located in Mooresville, North Carolina, on the site of GoPro Motorplex, Cart Sport North America features over 6,000 square feet of retail space. In addition to the Cart Republic distribution, they offer full retail sales, cart service and storage, and the top brands in the sport, such as CZ Chain, Talon Sprockets, SKF Bearing, and Prisma Tire Gauges. If you want to take your racing to the next level, they have driver training and coaching programs available, trackside at GoPro Motorplex. They have a massive inventory, so head to their online store at www.cartsportna.com to get same-day shipping of the parts and components you need. Cartsport North America, top quality products, winning brands, and professional driver development services. Give us a call today.
From coast to coast, IAMI has become the two-cycle engine of choice for American karting. Starting with the air-cooled 60cc Swift engine and moving through to the incredible X30 power plant, IAMI is providing much-needed stability for the sport. The Swift and X30 engines are the backbone of the Supercar USA Pro Tour and Pro Car Challenge Series, as well as the USPKS, the Route 66 Sprint Series, and the WKA Manufacturers Cup. We're thrilled to introduce the new IAMI KA100 Rejet engine with a special introductory price of just $16.95 until the end of February. The new engine is getting rave reviews and will be part of the USPKS, Route 66, and WKA Man Cup programs in 2018. Watch for more regions of the country to get on board with this new formula. We have two distribution centers in the U.S. to serve you well. IAMI East in Mooresville, North Carolina, Miami West in Temecula, California. The momentum is continuing to build, so it's time to make an investment in stabilizing your engine program. For more information on Miami, head to the website for your region. IamiUSAEast.com or IamiUSAWest.com. Welcome back to episode number 31 of the EKN Debrief. It's a long one. We're, uh, we still got a long way to go, and we're an hour into the show. Um, all right, David, uh, the other side, again, this is the race report. We're going to talk S1, S2, work our way through here. Uh, again, Nitro Kart, the sponsor of our, uh, our race report here this weekend. What's the trip? Let's get back to the trivia. Martin Pierce, he won Rock Island in Tag Senior. Um, what was the year? I don't know what the year was. So, he was on a, he was on a wild cart. So, oh, see, I, that was part two of the question. Okay, so, so on a wild cart, I, th- I thought it was, two, I said 2002, but you're saying you were there. I was there. What was your... I thought you were there in 2004. 2004 was my first year, yes. And what? Martin Pierce came in 2006 to win the tag That's senior that, race man. for a wild cart. We were all like, wow. who is this guy? And, yeah, and he right? came over on the wild cart, and that really kind of kind of boosts that that uh, brand up for a couple of years. And uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, ironically, there you yeah, go. Good. The, that, that same year, uh, Lawson won four straight time or four wins that that. Yeah, or wins would have thought. Awesome. All right. <laughs> All right. You would have thought. Yeah, exactly. All right. Let's just jump back into the race report here, David. S1, uh, 10 drivers in the field, but a really, really strong list of, of drivers. Hunter Pickett, um, again, here's a guy that uh, – this is like an impressive young kid, right? He's really become one of the top drivers in S1. I remember following him through S2 and, and, and staying there one more year to learn how to win races. Now the guy can win S1 races. This, this kid's just on the Sony cart, Pickett racing, uh, just pretty darn impressive. He has speed. There's no doubt about that. It was always racecraft that uh, he keeps working on, and he keeps getting better. And obviously, uh, this time uh, was the best on Saturday. You know, wasn't uh, was a little bit slower on uh, on cold tires, but uh, I think they had the setup for later in the race because everybody else didn't have the setup. And Pickett was there at the end to be the quickest driver at the end because uh, him and French both on the Sodi carts uh, were fast. Uh, Pickett winning uh, fast time in qualifying, French earning the pre-final win. But uh, Pickett actually uh, was the quickest guy in the final. French kind of fell off, stuck his power plant uh, towards the end of the race uh, and just had a better pace than than Myers and Musgrave and was able to steal the victory from all of them. A.J. Myers, uh, very impressive as well. A guy that came in knowing that he had a chance to win this championship as well, steal it away from Billy Musgrave. Um, Pickett, of course, with the win, as you said. Uh, that victory, and with Myers leading 
Musgrave. Musgrave was fourth, I believe. Meyer second. French is was French yeah. third. French on crossed the line he, and barely crossed the line. Yeah, barely crossed the line. Actually, yeah, I think he was a he was one of two that I saw because I think Rob Logan was another driver across the start finish line, just as the engine either seized or ran out of gas, one or the other. <laughs> so <clears throat> with that, pardon me. Uh, title chase definitely tightening up with Myers kind of taking the lead position coming into championship Sunday. It's uh, of course the TB cart USA guys. We know he can win at Newcastle. He did the same thing. He won a couple of years ago, won, won both main events. This is a guy that's just such a talent. Um, and on the TB cart, a, a big, let's roll, roll into it, but a big championship for AJ Myers. Is he, he's able to get the job done on Sunday. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the title was his to lose really uh, going into Sunday and, and Myers just stepped up and made it known that he was the guy to beat going out, uh, clearing the field by, I think, 13 hundredths of a second in qualifying, which in S1 is is normally tighter, uh, and then just dominated both the pre-final and final, leading all those laps to to score maximum points and lock up the Pro Tour title. Yeah, uh, Jake French coming home in second, and Kyle Wick rounding up the podium in S1 on Championship Sunday. Easily the top rookie of the, of the year uh, in the S1 class. Here's a kid that you know coming in from S2. Stepped up at S2 to run S1 at the Supernats last year. Runs with Mike Rollison on the CRG. Um, young kid that's just, man, he's just bad fast and and, and stepped it up uh, to race against the big dogs all season long, coming home with a national number two plate. Pretty impressive for Kyle Wick. Yeah, very, very impressive. You know, he was able to jump ahead of of Musgrave in the points title, uh, points chase to, to take the number two plate away. So that puts Musgrave at the number three. And it's just another year that you know Musgrave has to has to look at it as 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 pretty much a disappointment, knowing that he had the the title in hand and it just let it just kind of slipped away from him. True enough. Luckily, he's got that super nationals uh, win from last year to make keep himself happy and sleep at night. That's for sure. <laughs> good, That's for good sure. point. Good point. Um, <clears throat> Musgrave still the national number one ranked driver by eCardingNews.com. He won the Supernats last year, just easily one of the top shifter car drivers in the country. Coming home P3, so he'll have a number three plate next year. Uh, speaking of the guys moving up, not so much moving up if we end up with an open class, a senior shifter combined class. Uh, a couple of kids in S2 who really have kind of turned things up this year, David. Uh, Texan Blair Hosey qualified on the pole. Uh, pitting with Musgrave Racing Company on an Illuminos chassis. He sweeps the day, qualifying pole, pre-final, final, his first ever Pro Tour race win. Uh, I've had a chance to watch Blair uh, run down in Texas uh, with the Texas Pro Car Challenge and uh, just you know just doing a tremendous job. He uh, Battling with Max Hewitt, those two drivers really, really going at it on the regional level as well. Uh, Hewitt with CRG Nordam had to come for the tail of the field. Or, yeah, he had an issue, I believe, with DQ. He left Tech early, I think. Is that what is that? What that happened? is what the results said. Um, I didn't talk to him specifically about that, but uh, real results said they, that he left early. So, um, you know, that's it's a penalty. Because <laughs> he, he started from the back. He so started he drives, from the back. Yeah, and drives to the field. This kid is tremendous. Yeah. At, uh, we'll, we'll talk more about it on the, hit the Sunday race, but in, in the Sunday main event for a majority of that race, he had the fastest outright time, faster than the S1 guys as well. And in fact, he was able, even with the split start, to work his way up and get past a couple of the other S1 drivers uh, on the racetrack. Then he, he finished, I think, what, sixth overall or something like that in, in total. So on Sunday, he loses his carb at the start of the pre-final. Uh, not even at the start. I think when they were coming around to the grid, wasn't it? Or was it right at the very start? Whatever it was, He's off the side of the racetrack. Carb falls off. 
he's got to come from the tail again in the final once again on, on Championship Sunday. And he uh, he put a show on. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, as you said, he was uh, putting down lap times better than some of the S1 drivers, uh, working his way through the tail end of that field even after the split start. Uh, so to, to be able to go through the entire S2 field and then start going through some of the S1 field, very impressive. So uh, definitely the Texas uh, area has the uh, the, tech, the shifter studs once again, you know, obviously with Jake French winning last year. Now we have some S2 guys from Texas um, uh, definitely uh, carrying the, the Lone Star state flag. Yeah, we're just looking at it, right? It's it's uh, Hewitt, it's Hosey, it's French, it's Jordan Musser, it's Ryan Kinnear. It's just Texas, such a hotbed for for great stock Honda racing. Uh, all in all, uh, uh, Blair Hosey ended up finishing in second place. Uh, easily his best career uh, pro tour weekend, gets the win. Uh, Lopez, though, coming home, David, uh, on a podium. Sixth straight podium. All, on the podium every race this year for Lopez, he ends up winning the Scusa Pro Tour title for Rawlison Performance Group. Uh, that 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 kind of consistency is what it takes. And he came in what I think he won all the first four races, and then there's a couple of third place finishes here to walk away with the championship. Yeah, I'm sure he probably would have loved to have had six straight wins to uh, to end the season. Obviously, coming in with four was very impressive, especially being a S2 rookie, uh, never been in a shifter cart till this winter when uh, he raced at the Scusa Winter Series. So the, uh, the RPG staff really did a great job with uh, developing him quickly. And uh, to be able to, to leave the season with a Pro Tour title is very impressive. Let's move to the S4 Master category, Master Stock Honda for drivers 30 years of age and older. It was just a continuation of the Jordan Musser-Ryan Kinnear battle. Jordan with the 3G Kart Racing Burrell Arts. Uh, Ryan moving over to over to Phil Giebler Racing on the Ricardo. And they probably weren't separated by two or three cart lengths the entire weekend long. <laughs> just That was the battle back and forth and back and forth on both days. Yes, uh, it's something we've seen all, all season long. I mean, those two have been yeah. one and two uh, nearly all the sessions, aside from uh, Jimmy, Jimmy McNeil uh, stealing some, some of the spotlight there in NOLA. But, um, you know, Musser was, uh, was able to, uh, to fight off Kinnear on Saturday, earning his third straight victory of the season. Uh, with Nathan Stewart, uh, the Kiwi. We got to come up with a nickname, but the Kiwi joining them on the podium on Saturday. Yeah, Sunday, pretty much the same. Uh, this time it was Kinnear actually sweeping the day. Um, strong run in qualifying, able to beat uh, Musser in the pre-final. They got pretty aggressive, actually, um, uh, in the in the main event, too, battling back and forth, some some hardcore racing into the final corner. And, and, and then also, I think they got together one time. He cut, didn't get together. Ryan... Muster made a good move to the inside of one, and Ryan wasn't having any of it. And pinched him across, and Ryan uh, Muster got into the curb a little bit uh, in turn number one. It's just good, good hardcore racing. They had their their elbows up. Kinnear gets his win, uh, his second of the year. Uh, Muster settles for second, though David, but uh, locks up the championship by uh, his uh, with five straight podium finishes, his third championship in Supercars USA uh, competition. Pretty pretty impressive. Uh, nine years of the series, he's been the champion of S four three times. Very, very impressive. Uh, add in the four Rotax Grand National Championships that he has there. That's seven since 2002. Uh, definitely makes him one of the uh, karting elites uh, here in the United States. But, uh, it, you know, talking with Mosser, he also said it was probably one of the more difficult ones, having Kinnear literally 20 feet away from him all weekend long, not only on track, but in the, po- in the paddock because they were tended under the same tent. 
<laughs> and we'll cap this off. Rob Logan had some issues on the weekend, getting things dialed in. He was uh, third on the podium uh, on, on Sunday. It, and this is kind of interesting, David, because, you know, looking forward, we're talking about guys like Kinnear and Musser. We've seen uh, decreasing uh, participation in the S4 Masters class. It, it would be tough if we didn't have Kinnear and, Mor- uh, and Musser racing somewhere nationally next year. They're just this, this is what these guys do. This is who they are. You know what I mean? We've we watched them as as badass seniors, and then they became kind of the stars of the of the Masters category. I'm really hoping somehow we figure out a way for Masters to be back on the Pro Tour again for 2019. Yeah, I don't see these guys moving to X30 at all. No, no, no possible way. So, uh, but again, you know, you, I don't, I don't think we're not going to see Masters racing. I really don't. I think we're going to see some type of class. We're not going to see the split between S4 and S4 Super Master that we've had, but I think we're going to have some type of of shifter cart category at the Pro Tour. So for the Masters class, Super Master rather S4. Uh, Musgrave Racing Company Luminous driver John Crow sweeping the action on Saturday to essentially lock up the provisional title. One of the things about John Crow, and we'll, we'll talk about just the race itself, but but David, here's a guy that just absolutely committed to the program this year. Uh, health, fitness, his uh, his diet, uh, testing like crazy. You know, he he went after this championship, grabbed it, and committed to it and won it. It's I think it's uh, I think he deserves a lot of kudos for 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 doing what it took this year to win that title. Yeah, it wasn't that he just got into a cart during race weekends. It's it's nearly every day, uh, or at least once or twice a week, or during the week, uh, with uh, going out with Billy Musgrave and and just pounding out laps and and as you said, off the track, taking care of his body, doing doing a lot of the uh, nutrition stuff that uh, he's been doing. Uh, really uh, worked hard at it uh, to be a, a Scusa Pro Tour champion. So uh, Crow drives away with the victory on Saturday in the final over CKR driver Mike Rivera, who was really impressive on the weekend. Mike was right in the hunt, uh, had the same pace as Crow uh, for, for much of the time. He battled it out with uh, with Rod Clenard from CRG Nordam. Uh, they were on the podium, of course, for uh, for the first final. Um, on Sunday, uh, Clenard and Winternet's Mike Jones kind of stepped up. Uh, good old... Uh, Mike Jones battling out there with the Sodi carts and he was on kind of on fire and almost like, uh, almost like he was just, I don't know, he was just motivated to kind of get the elbows up and go at it. Cause he was, uh, he was quick out of the box. Yeah, it was, uh, the pre-final on yeah. Sunday was pretty extraordinary. Cause there was one point when they went three wide into turn one, uh, well, I think it was Crow in the middle or, or Clenard in the middle, whatever. And Jones just bolted right into the inside of both of them and, uh, kind of, kind of took, took advantage of that. Uh, but, uh, Jones actually suffered a mechanical on the opening lap of the final. So that kind of, uh, diminished any, any thoughts of, uh, of a good race going on in the final. Let's, uh, I'll give you my little, my feel of that. Cause I'm obviously calling it right. So they come down the straightaway right at us. Clenard's leading the way. Uh, Crow, <laughs> Clenard's out to the right side, going into one Crow looks to the inside. He's, he's going to the inside. Well, <laughs> what do you call it? Uh, Jones, had such a head of, full head of steam, got the draft. He goes all the way to the bottom, and they're right. They were essentially three wide going to the apex. Uh, Crow backed out of it and went, okay, I'm good. <laughs> I don't need this right now. And Jones dove through to, to take the spot. It was a, it was an awesome pass, well-timed and, and aggressive and decisive, and he ends up taking that pass. But as you said, ends up uh, with that, me- that mechanical in the opening lap of the final. Uh, Crow ends up winning his fifth race of the year to celebrate the title, kind of putting the exclamation point on it. Uh, Rod Clenard was there. But just 
couldn't quite keep up with him. And then again, Mike Rivera back again uh, on the podium. A great weekend for Mike Rivera. It was. It was a good weekend. Uh, I think he was very happy with the performance he had. Obviously, to be able to keep pace with with Clenard a little bit for Crow uh, was was very impressive for him. Uh, and again, you know, it's tough to see this category kind of go away because, yeah. uh, you know, again, it brought in some good racing for for these old guys. Yeah, it's, you know, the Supermasters class for uh, 45 years of age and older. It's one. It was a category that a, a number of racers said, hey, listen, we're out here, you know, we're 50, 55, whatever it may be, or guys are just over 45, and we're battling it out with all these 31, 32-year-olds. It'd be cool if we had our own class. And it, it debuted at the, the, the California Pro Car Challenge, and, man, guys jumped on board. It actually brought a lot of guys that haven't raced in a while back out because they're going to get a chance to – they had a chance to win. You know, they had a chance to go racing again, and it really did get a lot of steam. And again, it's, I think, part and parcel of the issues going on with, with the stock Honda and the uncertainty. It's kind of the collateral damage. Well, well, I'm hoping that the, the, the class, the age group, at least the concept continues, at least at the regional level, because I think it's a, it's, it's a good place uh, and a good opportunity for these guys to continue to race for race wins as opposed to uh, driving around racing against guys, in some cases, 20 to 25 years younger than they are. We know... Uh, Robert Marks, who's a badass, 56 years old. He's racing against guys that are – he's almost twice as old as some of these guys he's racing at. So it's – I love the Supermasters class. I hope it's uh, – I hope they're able to, to figure out a way to, to get it to continue. Uh, David, let's go to Mini Swift because uh, 31 at carts, I think, they were able to get the extra to, to get the $1,000 purse added on. Um, man, just all in all, Good racing, I think, in Mini Swift, but we did have a bit of a rough start to the season with a wreck in Friday practice. Yeah, not only Friday practice, but Saturday warm up. Um, in both incidents, uh, we I think we trashed three carts, so that was a total of six carts that were trashed before even a green flag of racing or even qualifying began. Which really, yeah. uh, you know, thankfully nobody was nobody was seriously hurt, but you know, it, it just. You know, I don't, there's something about Newcastle where, again, guys are driving with their heads down, not paying attention, not looking ahead. And that's that's exactly what happened in Saturday warm up. And, and the Friday, I think, was just kind of just guys were being overzealous on Friday. And again, it's it's almost the fact where it's it's not so much these these kids faults because they're being told, stay on this guy's ass. Do not leave that guy's bumper. And so that's what we're seeing. That's that's the result. Yeah, it's just it's you're right. It's the overaggression in in a, in a practice session when you're out trying to dial the chassis and whatever it may be. Uh, some of these guys are being told, as you said, to stay with that guy. You, you got to stay with him. You got to you got to find that racing line that he's got, and they'll dive it. They'll dive bomb into a corner to try to f- stay with that guy, and the other guy who's getting passed is already kind of trying to fill back in. Uh, I hear you. It's tough. Let's talk more about the racing itself, though. On Saturday. Uh, kind of the arrival of Jace Park, to, to be honest, right? Just uh, he's been good all year long, but big victory for him. His first uh, on the pro tour, he wins on Saturday. Yeah, it's something that that he's he and his crew have been building and building and building towards. You know, he's he's finally gotten that race pace that to be quick enough to be able to challenge. Uh, you know, this time he was able to uh, to put it all together and to be able to not only win, but to win in an impressive fashion to be able to beat Kai Sorensen in what was a crazy last lap with <laughs> with, with those two going going by each other four different times in just the last lap and yeah. separated at the line by five thousandths of a second. First, let's say that it was just that perfect racecraft 
and strategy out of Kai Sorensen too. They hooked up. He and, and, and Jace Park hooked up, and they pulled away from the field. They just absolutely walked away from the field. They were racing behind him for third, and he just pulled away, which is which is the both those guys pulled away. They raced final lap, like you said, four different passes. I think we, there was one and eight, one and eleven. I think we had one over in turn thirteen and one in fourteen as well. A crazy final lap. They come across the line separate by five thousandths of a second. Chase Park ends up with the big win. Uh, and again, Kai Sorensen finishing in second. You know, even though he didn't get the victory, it was a solid, really solid race for Kai coming out as, you know, in, in the national level in mini swift racing. Big kudos as well for Annie Rule. She ends up in third spot, her first uh, Scusa Pro Tour podium in third. You get a lot of chance to, to watch Annie race, and, and we've been talking quite a bit about her this year, uh, David. She's been on the podium. She's been winning some races. But, wow, to be able to get on the podium uh, in this field at the Scusa Pro Tour, impressive for her. Yeah, I think we we kind of projected that when we talked about her at the USPKS uh, debrief. So, um yeah, it was, you know, again, like as, as you said, they were fighting for third and luckily she was able to win that battle and get away from the rest of the field and uh, grab her first Scusa Pro, Pro Tour to- podium. Uh, let's uh, talk about Carson Morgan a little bit. Um, uh, having some issues, but he remained the championship leader. Really probably just had to finish some races, but because uh, uh, he came in with such a big lead, but he actually had a pretty good weekend overall in terms of getting back to the front when he needed to. He did. Uh, very calculated driver. Uh, especially on Sunday, because I think he knew it was in his hand. Uh, so it was it was kind of the chance for him to go out and go out and get the victory, which he did. Uh, you know, kind of as you said, Kai Sorensen, you know, pushed Park away. Well, this time it was Morgan and Park who were able to push each other away and get away from the rest of the field. Morgan was able to get a better run off the I-70 corner on the last lap and was able to reach the finish line first. Yeah, so he backs up his championship. Always cool when you can back up that championship, right? You get the first one, that's great. You had a good season, but when you back it up with another one, whether it's Ryan Norberg or, or, or you know back to back for for Jordan Musser as well, to get that next one just kind of adds that panache to it. And again, and you can win if you can win on Sunday, and to get that title, that's the exclamation point you're looking for, right? You want you want to be able to be to be winning at the very end. Kai Sorensen completed a, a solid uh, cap to the year for the Pro Tour. Another podium result as well for Kai. Yeah, and it's kind of just adding on to Morgan's championship. Yep. You know, that's two drivers now who have back to back championships. Can you name that other driver in that class? Yeah. Why are you doing this to me? Come before? on, you you talk about him all day at the uh, IndyCar races. Uh, I don't, who is it? He's an Indy Lights contender. Really? Come on, tell me who it is. Come on. Was it all the way back? Was it all the way back to Colton Herta? Yes, Colton wow. Herta went back to was back. Two thousand ten, two thousand eleven, two thousand eleven. Wow! Now I remember that now. I do remember you know, what I do remember, and I brought it up to him at one point. I remember that pass that, that Colton made at Sonoma for the race win. Uh, we were we were going, I yeah. think, in the reverse national, right? We were going uh, counterclockwise, going down to the helipad area before tic tac toe. He goes from third to first in this dive dive move that was absolutely fantastic. But yeah, I, I, that's listen. I'm not ready for any trivia right now. No, obviously. you're not. You're not. I, I like to get, catch you off guard when you're not paying attention. You can, well, I appreciate that. You got me on that one. 2010, 2011, and now the kids racing. Number one, Colton's racing for an Indy Lights championship. You're right, battling another guy with Scusa. Uh, credentials, Super Nationals winner Pato Award. Um, and they're going to go at it. Good possibility that both of those guys are going to be in IndyCar next year, too, which is cool. 
All right, Dave, let's uh, let's cap things off. We got one more to go. Micro Swift. Um, these guys are just the racecraft. <laughs> it's it's kind of ridiculous to me sometimes. Probably some of the best racecraft we see all weekend long. They they're in the right position. They they you know they, if they're third, they they're going to battle their way to second. They try to pull away. They're smart not to, to, to race with each other. Uh, bottom line, Caleb Gaffera goes wire to wire on Saturday to claim his third victory of the season. Pretty good run for uh, for Caleb. It was. It's uh, going into the the weekend. He, Ben Mayer, Max Garcia in the championship hunt. Really, anybody's to win. Uh, yep. So Gaffar obviously struck first with uh, the wire to wire win. Uh, Merlin driver Logan Julian was a close second for his first uh, Scusa podium with uh, Ben Mayer uh, ending up third. Uh, but Mayer actually needed a little bit more than third to uh, to keep himself in the hunt because Graffar kind of uh, took him out of the championship with with the win. So going in on Sunday, it was really down to really what Graffar and Garcia would do uh, in terms of the title hunt. So Garcia uh, stepping up, grabbing the fast time and the 10 bonus points that came with it uh, in qualifying. I think that was that was key. And then the other shift was the fact that Gaffera had trouble with a bad transponder and lost the power out of the transponder, so he, he has no times at all. So here's Garcia starting on pole in the prefinal and Caleb Gaffera starting dead last. Yeah, it was. And then so Garcia was able to finish third in the prefinal. Gaffar got up to as high as eighth or seventh, but finished eighth. Uh, so making the scenario for Garcia, putting it all in his hands, really – uh, a win would have got the title or second place with fast time would give him the title. So Gaffar needed to keep Garcia out of those top two positions or win to claim the title. So it was really exciting going into the main event. Yeah, Gaffar had himself up to the very front, got to the lead. And of course, I think it was like a four cart battle up front. Uh, contact in turn number 14, right? Uh, the the I-70 hairpin. Uh, contact. We didn't even see it. All of a sudden, they went, you know, they're over the rise. They come out of the corner and there's only three carts left, and it was a leader. Caleb Gaffer was off the racetrack to the left side uh, for contact. Uh, a lap later, Garcia's up front. You know what I mean? It's just it's 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 crazy that uh, Garcia was able to get to the front and get the job done as well. Yeah, there was more contact a lap later between. Um, I think it, it affected Mayer and Orlejo, and so that gave Garcia a big advantage, give him the lead, and basically the cruise to the victory. Uh, indeed, and as you said, Ben Mayer and uh, Arjula both getting penalized, taking them off the podium. That brings uh, the Margay driver Cameron Myers onto the podium and Graham Trammell as well. First time on the uh, the podium steps for both of those drivers. Uh, Garcia, of, cor- of course, you think championship, David. Garcia, t- amazing qualifier, uh, fast lap bonuses. He was able to get a lot of those 10-point bonuses for qualifying well and, and turning fast race laps. That kind of was kind of the difference when it all was all said and done. It was uh, because he had in Phoenix, he had the two top qualifier bonuses and two fast slap bonuses. So that was 40 points there. You add in the top qualifier on Sunday. That was another 10. So that's 50 points that he took away and gave him the championship. Oh, fa- okay, folks, stick with us here. We're going to have one more quick break when we come back. Uh, David and I will do the wrap-up of the weekend, and then we'll cap things off looking at the EKN Trackside Live race calendar uh, where we'll uh, we'll let you know where we're going to be in September because it is a packed month of racing. When it comes to karting in NorCal, Cambrian Go-Karts is the go-to location for karts, engines, parts, accessories, and incredible service. We're located in Campbell, California, 
and we're dedicated to supporting NorCal karting. We're trackside for all the KPX Karting Championship and Superkart USA California Pro Kart Challenge events, and we stock everything you need for your IAMI and Briggs engines, including X30, KA100, Swift, and the awesome 206. We're also an authorized Avinco tire dealer. Pharrell Art and Ricardo Chassis are winning races from coast to coast. Cambrian Go-Karts is your Northern California source for these quality Italian-made carts, having been a proud dealer of the Burrell product line since we opened our doors in 2004. We're also a dealer for Sodi Kart, the brand that has become the leader in gearbox racing in the U.S. If you're in NorCal, a shop to visit if you're seeking incredible service and a dedication to supporting newcomers and experienced racers alike is Cambrian Go-Karts. Check us out online at cambriangokarts.com. You've heard the name VME Kart all winter. It's the hottest new chassis on the circuit, and it's time to get behind the wheel of one yourself. It doesn't matter what series, the VME Kart is running up front. The WK Manufacturers Cup, the Scusa Winter Series, the Florida Winter Tour, the Challenge of the Americas. VME Kart is on fire. VME Kart USA is the new importer for Vince and Lorenzo Mandarino's creations, and we're ready to take the karting scene by storm. Colin Neal kicked off the 2018 season with two big wins on his VME cart at the WK Manufactured Cup opener in Daytona. And then, Chase Gardner put the VME cart on top of the podium at the Rock Cup Challenge of the Americas opener in Phoenix in February. Big wins at big races, and there's much more where that came from. To learn about our chassis and our program, and to see what we're doing in U.S. karting every weekend, follow us on Facebook at VME Cart USA. Welcome back, folks, to episode number 31 of the EK and Debrief. It's been a long one. Lots and lots to talk about in uh, what was a absolutely tremendous weekend at the Supercarts USA Summer Nationals, the final round of the Scusa Pro Tour. Championships on the line on Sunday. We've kind of run through and given you a full uh, overview, a breakdown of all the, the main event racing that we saw. Uh, David Cole, let's wrap this thing up. All in all, I'm going to say best weekend of racecraft for the Scusa Pro Tour we've seen in probably three or more years. Starts were really good. And there were issues on the track with during during racing. It's it's racing. It's motorsports. It's competition. It's wheel to wheel. You're going to have wrecks. You're going to have guys getting together. But all in all, I thought the racing was pretty impressive. It was the the pushback bumper is doing its job at the starts. Um, you know, you can say this or that about the rest of the racing regarding the pushback bumper. But as you said, uh, overall the racing is a lot better. Um, guys guys are being a little bit smarter in some of the moves they're making, but we're still seeing some aggressive racing, which is what we want to see. Um, you can be aggressive, but yet clean. Uh, we see that in some of the categories. We don't see that in some of the categories, but overall, uh, it was, it was to, to the numbers that we had, it was good. It was really clean racing. I agree. And the numbers were encouraging for the sport. Uh, all in all, 76 drivers in X30 senior when it's all said and done 57 in X30 junior. Those are numbers that are, are, are great for the national level. That's, you know, we need great grassroots racing. We need strong clubs around the sport. We need really good regional programs that allow those club drivers to jump up for more competition. Top drivers, remember, all the clubs get together, strong regional racing. But we need to have good national racing as well. Good numbers, people coming out. It's good for the industry. It's good for the sport on the whole. And, yeah, great numbers. Over 245 drivers uh, for this year's Summer Nationals. David, 
The Summer Nats was a cap to the ninth season of the Scusa Pro Tour. Pretty impressive that they've got to the number nine. Uh, I've been doing this for 25 years now, and I think before that, probably five or six was the longest anybody's ever gone. Um, maybe seven if we're lucky. We're nine. Next year, they'll have their 10th year. I think it's fantastic for the sport to have some consistency uh, and stability. Uh, Crown nine champions. Ryan Norberg, uh, Arias Duke-Medjian, Leonardo Nincotter, A.J. Myers, uh, Paulo Lopez. Is it Paulo or Pedro? Paulo. Pedro. Paulo. Yeah, Paulo in the other category. Pedro, uh, Pedro Lopez, Jordan Musser, John Crow, Carson Morgan, and Max Garcia. Nine champions to get the national number one plates for the uh, – for the Super Nats, pretty, uh, pretty cool deal for these kids. And again, they're all part of the Scusa Circle of Champions, so they'll get free entries, tires, and fuel uh, if they come back to uh, to defend the one next year. Yeah, the X30 and the S1 uh, champions also get money as well, too. Uh, the HPD uh, Honda drivers will get some uh, some uh, the Honda Bucks, I believe, yep. for their championship programs. You know, I believe there'll be some IME prizes as well too uh, during all the uh, the celebrations that we'll probably have at the uh, the Supernats. Tickets to the international final as well. Exactly. Yep. So we'll have Norberg, uh, Duke Machian, and Neen Cotter and Morgan uh, all with the uh, the tickets to go there. So two, three from the U.S. and one from Brazil. Let's uh, let's talk about Ryan Norberg. Third straight title, unprecedented in modern day American karting at this level to win three championships like he did. That's that's amazing to me. It is, uh, you know, when you when you say modern day, it, it you know we are in a different type of era, as you said, you know, yeah, with being exactly. Supercarts USA being what it is. Um, you know, we, you know, you have to go back to say maybe you know you know when when Gary Carlton was dominating the ICC category when we had thirty to forty guys every weekend. You know, because really, uh, you know, the X30 senior category is that category now. So um, you kind of have to go back to that. You know, another another example that, you know, I've stated is is Musser. Uh, you know, he has three straight U.S. Rotax Grand National victories uh, from 2002 to 2004. You know, so now ironically, Norberg and Musser are the first to have three Scusa Pro Tour championships uh, in the in the program's history with Musser locking up his third in S4 Master. Yeah, the other interesting thing about Ryan Norberg is, and we, you know, we talk about the juniorification of karting, how it's just getting younger and younger as they, especially over in Europe, they're opening up to even younger kids being able to run in the, in the senior classes, which we both dislike. You got a guy like Ryan Norberg. He's not 16. He's not 17. You know what I mean? <laughs> Here's a guy who's, a, who's an adult. And I love seeing that in the senior category. You know, when you get guys like the Jake Craig's, and, and they've been around a long time for sure, but older guys that are running in the and, and have, are, are essentially the stars well, of the sport, right? These are the guys, these young. Yeah, kids you look have up to. you have Jake Craig, you have Brandon Jarzakrak, you have yeah. Ryan Norberg, you even have the Luke Sullican. You know, Luke Luke is no longer a young kid anymore. You know, he's in college. Uh, yeah. You know, paying his dues there at school. Uh, there, there, there are still those those older type drivers that are racing in the X30 senior category, which is good. Um, I think we need that because again, I think they produce some of the best racecraft that we have, uh, especially when you see, you know, and, and, Craig the example, and, Norberg Dave, right? and Jars of crack, those guys going at each other, hardcore, even Christian Brooks, another guy. Um, so yeah, yeah. definitely. Uh, you know, it, it's good to see some of these old, but, yeah, you got to have these older guys in there. David, they set the example yep. for the young kids. 
that that for me that's it you know you you can be a young kid a 15 year old kid or 16 year old kid who's jumped into um jumped into x30 senior and you know we saw it when jim mckinney first jumped in and he thought he had to you know he had to battle hard he he had to maybe be a little more aggressive or you know throw some contact out there that's not what you have to do right you go out there show the good racecraft earn the respect of these guys that have been around the sport for a long time because you just watch the way those guys race. There, there's calculated aggression for sure. And sometimes they're going to move a guy uh, that happens and, uh, but they do it well. They do it like a pro. And I do, it's great to have guys like that list. You just said Norberg and, and Craig and Brooks and Silicon and Jarsakrak. You got these guys that have been around for a long time. They're professionals, they're pros. And I think, uh, we're very lucky to have those guys, and, and and they're showing what they can do when they're running up front. They're when they're winning championships. In fact, like Ryan Norberg, it is three yeah. straight. And again, you know, do you want to put an asterisk on this because Craig wasn't there? <laughs> yeah, I hear you. Jake, Jake Craig could easily have uh, have jumped into the championship battle and, and, and diced it out again with Ryan Norberg. But of course, he's trying to make the move into cars. He was at uh, up at uh, the Grand Prix of Three Rivers, Trois Rivoire. Uh, running for Brian Graham Racing in the uh, in the F sixteen hundred series up there, he's trying he, he's trying to make a run at it. You know, good for him. Yeah. And uh, he's a heck no, of a driver. Yeah. I, I I just kind of threw that in as a joke <laughs> because really Craig Craig would have been involved in the championship hunt, no doubt about it. No doubt. Uh, throughout the weekend, so it would have been another person that that Norberg would have had his eyes on. Um, you know, but the same goes. For, I think Brooks Brooks was leading last year uh, when we left the Spring Nats. And he had, uh, you know, his prior commitments and couldn't go to the summer nets. So, yep. so that left right. him out of it. So that it's, well, just, it's, it's cool to see how things unfold and, and, you know, it's good. It's going to be interesting to see what exactly actually Norberg does next year. Agreed. And no doubt about that. What, what, where does he move? Is it, does he stay? Is he going to keep racing carts? Does he make a move somewhere? We'll see. Well, folks, that caps things up here for the EKN debrief episode number 31. David Cole, let's, let's look at the EKN trackside live race calendar. It's brought to you by Cartlift. 15 years of bringing racers the best karting products is what Cartlift is all about. Whether it's the industry-leading winch lift, motorized lift stand, our stand-up tire changer, or our chassis skid plates, you can be sure that our products are well thought out and designed to make your week uh, race weekend more productive and to save wear and tear on your body and equipment. Cartlift cart stands built in the USA, built to last. Well, David, um, yeah, we're kind of busy. <laughs> I think we, you and I have one weekend off. Potentially, we don't even have that one weekend off uh, for September. We, we Rock Island Grand Prix, Labor Day weekend classic. You're heading back to the rock. I'm a little jealous. I'm going to be at, uh, in Portland for the IndyCar weekend and Mazda Road to Indy. But man, dude, Rock Island looks like it's shaping up to be another good one. Yeah, the uh, I'm getting getting word that all the Briggs categories are at 30 or more, so that's nice. going to be huge for that. Yeah, uh, you know, you still have your contenders in the Yamaha divisions. Uh, you have the King of the Streets, uh, you know, and then it's just another good party, another good uh, racing party we get to go to. Following weekend, the uh, 9th and 10th, uh, there's a potential that I may be heading to Bermuda. I may be there for their first their first race of their racing season. They have uh, the racing season starting later on in the, in the year. Uh, so potentially I'll be out to Bermuda for that weekend. Otherwise, the weekend after that, you're back in action, David. Uh, WK Manufacturers Cup, round number five. Hey, you're going back to Newcastle. It will be my third trip there. Yeah, it will be. Uh, and again, knock on wood, I hope there will be no weather issues that weekend because, again, the last two times that I've been down there, it's been really good, uh, really nice. Uh, obviously, September should be some good weather. 
Uh, thankfully, no tornadoes or anything like that. Knock on wood again. But uh, looking forward to uh, wrapping up my season at Newcastle there. Yeah, I'm uh, the following weekend, September 22nd and 23rd, I head back to Texas. Uh, it's been great to be part of the uh, Texas Pro Kart Challenge this season. Their finale uh, at the Dallas Karting Complex out in Caddo Mills. I look forward to that one. Hopefully, September, as you said, maybe a little easier weather, not the 104 that we had to battle through at Amarillo and that uh, crazy uh, heat wave that went through. Uh, the weekend after that, David, we're going to cap off the month of September. And after this race, actually looking forward to Supernats. Uh, September 29-30, the streets of Lancaster Grand Prix. You're starting September with a street race. You're capping September with a street race. We're heading out to Lancaster for the the, uh, the California Pro Kart Challenge. Yeah, I don't know about the weather there. It might be in the triple digits there. <laughs> it could be. It could be. We've, we've dealt with that before. Yeah. Bring the, uh, bring the cooler for the laptop. That's for sure. Well, but the good thing is, is we get to see some night racing, which is something we don't typically see. Uh, you got to see it at Denton. Uh, I haven't seen it all season long, so I'm looking forward to uh, to getting back to Lancaster. Always a good time there. The city is behind that event 100%. Uh, we get to go uh, watch two days of, of some ex- some exciting racing it is. on the city streets. Yeah, I love that track. It's a, it's a ba- just like Rock Island. It's a, it's a simple racetrack, right? It's it's essentially the same layout to, uh, to a certain extent with just the one right-hander. But, man, the city just goes crazy for it. We have so much fun down there on the boulevard. On, on Saturday night, uh, S1, S2, and X30 Senior running under the lights in front of a crowd of probably two, 3,000 people that, at that one corner alone. Um, nah, it's going to be a great weekend. That's, again, Streets of Lancaster Grand Prix, a part of what will either be four or five race weekends on the EKN Trackside Live program uh, here in September. What, uh, well, David, that caps- Hold on. Quick question about what? Lancaster and, and Rock Island. the brakes, baby. Because uh, you've wrecked at turn four at Rock Island, correct? Uh, yes, I wrecked at turn four at Rock okay, Island. So I that's have. the right-hander. I, so which, which yeah. right-hander would you rather wreck at? The one at Rock Island or the one at Streets of Lancaster? Ooh, ooh. Probably Rock Island. Yeah, me too. Rock Island. <laughs> it's wider. It's wider, exactly. You're not going to get hit by anybody. That's uh, you. Uh, the right-hander at Lancaster comes from a big wide corner into what, uh, probably 20 feet wide, 25, not even 25 feet wide. So yeah, if you're into the barriers there, um, yeah, you're probably gonna get hit by somebody else coming from behind. Uh, where did you wreck at Rock Island? Three, right? Well, you've wrecked so many times at Rock Island, you probably can't remember. Oh, yeah, that's ouch. That hurts. How do you, how'd your leg feel? My leg's fine. That was, yeah, that was turn any, three. Any, any ghost pains? Occasionally, yeah. When I hear, when I hear that thud, it kind of shivers up my leg. Yeah. So I've only wrecked once at Rock Island. I wrecked it turn number four. That was it. I ran out of talent. I tried to make a move on the last lap for, I think, sixth in the in 125 Shifter Masters. I made a mistake and pushed it too wide and just barely grabbed the barriers. So that, that, it, was, it was hay bales then, and they grabbed I, me. I think so tur- turn, turn one's the only place I haven't either spun or hit something. Well, that said, I ran the Shifter for first cart. In practice, a guy drilled me in turn number two, and I went straight into the straight, like I going into the corner. I'm already, I'm, I'm knocking down a gear, and boom, the guy just drilled me right straight off into the barriers, and I, I broke the spindle and broke the, uh, the uh, what do you call it, yeah. the brake disc. Turn, I think I still have the brake. Turn disc turn two was top cart and warm up. I just kind of pushed it out a little too far. Turn three was a Margay ignite. <laughs> uh, turn the right hander was when I clipped the barrier, the inside barrier with the victory cart. So the the steering shaft was completely bent and I kept racing. 
Turn five was ignite again. I got spun around there into the wall. Oh no, that was because the, the 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 tie rod came apart. That's right. And then la- last yeah. year, last yeah. year was yeah. turn After six getting trip. spun by uh, Keith Scharf. Calling, I'm calling up, calling him out right wow. now. Wow, dude, you can call him out for sure. But dude, you, like you've you've wrecked in every corner there. I said turn one. That's it. That's the only place I have you've never, not. You've never knock on wood. Do you want to race this year? Get that one out of the way. Ah, that that one would hurt. It would. It would. No, thank you. In turn one, no way. All right, that's a good walk down memory lane, folks. We're done. I know you guys are probably sick and tired of hearing us here. It's this is a long show. We had a lot to talk about, but uh, thank you so much again for for listening to all of our podcasts. Whether you uh, have downloaded the app on your mobile device, the EKN Radio app, that's the best way to listen to the to the radio network on your mobile device, wherever you are. You can always go to ecardinews.com slash radio for the ra- for the, the radio broadcast. Podcasts are there as well, the drop-down menu. Uh, that's where our live broadcast is. Everything accessible. This will eventually be a, as a podcast available on the website. But otherwise, if you're listening to it this week, uh, you are on the EKN Radio Network. We appreciate you doing that. Appreciate you tuning in. David Cole, any final words? Rock Island, baby. Let's go. Enjoy yourself, buddy. There you go. Dave's off to Rock Island. I'm heading to the Mazda Road to Indy events. I've got uh, Gateway first for Indy Lights and Pro Mazda, and then the finale at Portland. A lot of great kart racers that we've had a chance to to follow through the sport. We're going to get to see them uh, cap off their 2018 season as well. Folks, on behalf of David Cole, thank you very much for listening to the EKN Radio Network. This was episode number 31 of the EKN Debrief Podcast. Dave and I breaking down the Supercarts USA Summer Nationals, the finale of the 2018 season. On behalf of David Cole, my name's Rob Howden. Bye for now.